0: Hello, welcome to Ona, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, no way, we take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher.
0: I'm Carrie Poppy.
1: Is that a tracksuit? Just now noticing your uh, Puma. You look like you're ready to do some sports.
0: <laughs> the top of it is the, the top of a track suit, a track jacket. Okay. A tracket? Yeah. Some right. people say that, a tracket? No, but okay. they can now. Uh, it's Drew's. Very My- nice. husbands
1: we're supposed to be talking about the ark and i've already gotten distracted by your puma track it (laughs) because now i want to tell the story about puma splitting off from adidas adidas that's the german pronunciation of adidas they're both german companies
0: oh okay they
1: were founded by the same brothers oh one of the brothers split off and created puma
0: oh it's sort of like cain and abel
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah. Go, then, yeah. now we're now yeah. we're tying it into the Bible.
0: <laughs> it's exactly like that.
1: God likes the smell of burnt flesh. Yes. And Cain didn't have that. And so he got he jealous. Puma. All he had were these stupid vegetables he was burning to God, and God's like flame. And so he killed his brother.
0: That's really how it happens.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: He 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 makes God the wrong dinner.
1: Cain's upset because God likes Abel's sacrifices better because he manages it's meat? livestock. Yeah.
0: Oh, fuck this guy. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. okay, okay, hang on, hang on. No, so no. it's a family with like a vegan child and then a meat-eating child. <laughs> and the and daddy comes for Christmas and he's like, I want to go to Kevin's house because he eats meat. Oh, I know this family. They're terrible. You,
1: you don't understand how much God <laughs> loves the smell of burnt flesh. <laughs>
0: He loves it. It's great. Oh, my God. Your son's just trying to do the right thing. He's trying so hard. He spent $200 on this <laughs> and Just in the house crying in his bedroom, hoping that tonight is the night that dad realizes that there are good vegan versions of meat. And that's all he wants because that's how <laughs> much of a bleeding heart Kevin is. <laughs> and instead, you give him these dumb jokes about how, oh, you're going to go to Abel's house because he makes meat. Cain's Abel's. Abel has to I've be, that's I've lost the story, yeah. but the point is, I don't like that god.
1: Yeah, fair. You're bringing it home. <sighs> okay, something we can all relate to. <laughs> <laughs> People are looking like, okay, how many minutes in? And they're not talking about the ark. So, okay,
0: Ross went to the ark. It's this place in Kentucky. If you are just joining us, boy, you really got to go back. But homeschooling seminar day.
1: This all takes place on Tuesday, day two.
0: Day two. Okay.
1: So, this was the first day where I had. A lot of tickets for events. And so Miss Vivian only had to give me one additional ticket to make sure that I had a full dance card for the day.
0: That must have pissed you off so bad.
1: Oh, I wanted to yell at her <laughs> so much.
0: <laughs> knew I just it.
1: wanted to take out all my frustrations Absolutely. on Miss Vivian. You
0: see her face. It's just so punchable. But
1: someone told me you can't yell at Miss Vivian. <laughs>
0: I've never seen this woman. (laughs)
1: This is so punchable. There was a German word I learned in an article about Ted Cruz. It's called Backpfeifengesicht. It's a face that deserves a punch.
0: Oh, yeah, nice. That's Miss Vivian. That's
1: the kind of word that German (laughs) brings to the game. Yeah, poor Miss
0: Vivian. (laughs) I've never seen her. I'm not based on anything.
1: (laughs) If anyone remembers, I was told not to yell at Miss Vivian. We thought that was very funny. <laughs> as funny as signing a waiver. All right. So, yes, I am back at the ARC. And uh, last time, we covered a couple classes focused on homeschooling. Yes. And then the question for our audience was, well, do you want to hear about more homeschooling that I went to that day? Or should we get back to the ARC and look at some of those exhibits? Mm-hmm. By popular demand, with over 1,700 votes, about 74... Per-
0: okay, I'll accept over 1700 there
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> well one of them is still going so okay uh, okay yeah. yeah
0: it seems like a reasonable number. oh good reasonable. okay
1: you are yeah. the expert on that yeah now. no problem i think about 74 percent said give us more homeschooling
0: okay yeah nice.
1: actually kind of surprised Great. people are excited a few people said yes i want more homeschooling eventually i don't know if i'm quite ready for it so for all of you i'm sorry Mm. But don't worry, we will be getting back to the Ark. Okay, cool. Um, But I spent a lot of time this day in uh, classrooms. Okay. Let's get into it. I took merely a a quick lunch break to go. I ate some pizza at Zophar's. And I tried looking this up because, again, there's very scant characterization in the Bible around the flood story. So it's like, well, who's Zophar? Uh, Was that some character I forgot? And I, I could find that one of Job's friends... You know, from a totally unrelated story, Yeah. But Job, when he was like all sickly, his friends were having this uh, dialogue with him. One of them was named Zophar, but it was Z-O-P-H-A-R. And this pizza okay. slash hot dog huh. stand is Z-O-F-A-R. So I, I don't know if there's some huh. story Did behind it. Did you already that.
0: Google Zophar?
1: Well, so far I haven't found anything <laughs> useful about him. Yeah, Z-O-F-A-R. Let me know if anything comes up.
0: Yeah, I guess there's also a village in southern Israel called Zofar, but it's got a T, silent T at the beginning.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, anyways, I went there and I ordered some pizza. And then I ended up sitting next to because it was getting kind of busy. This was everybody's quick lunch break. So I shared a table with this uh, other couple and their two children who were in uh, strollers. And uh, the father was a nice guy. And so we kind of hit it off and talked. I don't think the wife ever said anything. Cool. I think she was just there. Yeah, great. Let the men talk.
0: Were you the only single man?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: Or a single person?
1: I, I definitely stood out as such, but I'm sure there were others. I saw other people without kids next to them. Okay. So, yeah, I couldn't have been the only one. Yeah, okay. I think I felt more like a fish out of water than I really was. Okay. Because I felt both the weight of being not with a family...
0: Mm-hmm. And also
1: the weight of being ideologically on a different level. Sure. With these people, which, you know, they can't know from just looking at me. Oh,
0: right, right. But you've got that feel of being an outsider, and then you're like, maybe I'm projecting being an outsider.
1: Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I felt that feeling. Or just the, yeah, the inability to fully distinguish my own state of mind from everybody else's around me. But yeah, we, we were talking for a while, and he found out I was from California and did that kind of like, oh, okay, well, uh, I've been there. I have some relatives out there. Are they still doing that? stupid mask thing with all the mandates out there <laughs> oh my
0: there. god wait when is this again? this is oh right may, is may 2022 so
1: yes we were yeah and i said oh yeah but uh you know probably a good thing you know i, oh, I know you, people yeah. who have died and he said oh okay but i mean were they young and healthy <laughs> like the, the examples that came immediately to mind were older people so i said well no, they were older, but mm-hmm.
0: uh, you satisfied with that answer? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, okay? you feel good about it now? Okay, for them to be dead now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, well, how
0: do you respond?
1: Just kind of like, a, all right, well, you know, <laughs> like I think it was sort of this resignation of, uh, well, okay, right. you know, pe- yeah. people are just going to die. You know, pro life. Oh, I see the pro life response. Uh, it, it, oh, it was,
0: right, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that this is sort of collateral damage and a bigger point. Yeah, I you see. know,
1: yeah, very survival of the fittest, really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's all I remember from that conversation. But other than that, you know, we talked for a while. It was a little awkward, but but we had the conversation. Anyway, so I, I did go back on the arc for a bit. I watched a film that I'll be excited to tell you about, but then one thirty was coming around, and it was time for me to get back into that big main auditorium, that 2,500 seat auditorium, oh, right, yeah. where Ken Ham gave his opening talk to experience water, the miracle chemical. Whoa! Amazing!
0: I mean, I kind of signed off on this idea already. yeah I this, love water. And
1: this was a session where anybody could get in, really. Like, yeah. no one checked my ticket, because yeah, yeah. it was just in the big theater. <laughs> it would be
0: really funny if the, the thing about water was like a hot ticket item. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, and they ran it multiple times. And a lot of people did show up. It was Maybe 150 to 200 people, somewhere in that range. But, you know, we didn't fill up that auditorium. We all could kind of move up toward the front a bit. Sure. But it was on the big stage. And you had Dr. George Matsko and his wife, who I eventually figured out was named Darlene. He, he was the top billing. And uh, I'm going to show Carrie a picture here.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. We got a real, um, like, Bill Nye, early Bill Nye set up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got my white lab coat. And I've got my assistant wife also in a white lab coat. <laughs> and we've got molecules behind us. There was an active slideshow. And we've got a table covered in various Erlenmeyer flasks and beakers and little props that we're going to use for yeah. some active science experiments.
0: Yeah, very child science experiment kit that you get at Christmas mm, kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Not yeah. dogging it. Great items to give children.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, interactive science Is cool. Is cool. So no problem with any of that.
0: And I'm sure it's going to go well.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. People are set on fire, but none of them burn. Really? I'll just say it. Yeah. See, you're already interested. Yeah.
0: You got my eyes to zoom right back to you. I was looking at my dog. (laughs) Then I was looking at you.
1: Yeah. Those pitter patter noises you hear in the background. That is the peripatetic... Ella, always on the move while we record.
0: My almost 16-year-old dog has got dementia that gets bad at night. Aww. And so this may just be a feature of the show now.
1: And this weird guy shows up and talks for a long <laughs> talks time. And
0: it worries her a little bit now. Yeah. So she's got a pace.
1: That's right. So we see them up on the stage, George and his wife, Darlene. And we find that he is a Bob Jones University science ambassador.
0: Okay, I'm listening. (laughs) All right. I've been there. There's a... Bob Jones University...
1: He's got his own website georgematsco.com
0: Have we've explained about Bob Jones is in a previous yes. episode in this series, right? Yeah. Okay. Go. Yeah,
1: we've talked about uh, Bob Jones University is a, a one Christ- of the
0: greatest science schools in the country.
1: <laughs> well, he'll make that point. Oh
0: my god. Oh you know, no.
1: He'll, <laughs> yeah, he'll really try to sell it as like one of the oh. best science programs. Oh, no! <laughs> okay. Carrie is laughing and rubbing her <laughs> oh eyes simultaneously.
0: Yeah, no, they're like they famously <laughs> make a lot of very bad textbooks, which
1: um, I had in high school, and I, oh. I I kept my geology textbook, which has refutations of evolution oh, in yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think I've seen this. I think you brought it when we went down to Santee.
1: Exactly. Yep. So uh, on his website, there's a quote that says. It's not science versus scripture, but science in scripture that Mm. glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ and honors him as the creator. Mm. So if that gives you a little flavor for our views of science here. Yeah,
0: I mean, what I want science most to do is to honor someone. That's when I really know (laughs) it is doing its work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why like most theorems are just like the point of this is Einstein was good.
1: The question is, what verses of the Bible does this lesson about the natural world lead you to think of?
0: Okay, that's Wh- uh, how can I compliment God with this one? Yeah,
1: got it. That should be the ultimate goal of science. Got it. Cool. So I just showed Carrie the picture of Dr. George Matsko and his wife, Darlene. And um, they're probably in their late 60s, early 70s. He's balding with uh, white and gray hair on the sides. And uh, she's got mostly gray, a little bit of white hair as well. They're both wearing glasses. They look like very friendly people. Oh, yeah. A little more background. So George Matsko earned his BS in chemistry in 1973. From, guess which school?
0: Bob Jones University. What? How did you, of all the schools, how did you know?
1: And then in 78, he completed his PhD in analytical chemistry from Clemson University.
0: Oh, so, interesting. Good okay. job.
1: Okay. Okay. But uh, then he worked as a research. His, he
0: got his PhD from Clemson. So he said, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: well accredited school." And then he was a research chemist at Continental Forest Industries. Uh, but then CFI. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yes, I <laughs> didn't think about that. But then he came back to BJU, uh, which. <laughs>
0: How you learn to give BJs. I, oh,
1: I was thinking that you were like, oh, it's just like BYU, but oh, it's no. a different doctrinal school.
0: Oh, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, no, I, I was don't. just
0: thinking of BJs. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so in, 19,
1: in 1979, he came back to the school and became part of the faculty, the chair of the chemistry department. And he taught for 39 years before retiring in
0: 2018. Damn. Okay. And
1: then his wife, Darlene, she earned a BA in humanities from, guess where? Bob
0: Jones University. How how are you doing this? (laughs) How did you do that? You uh, have to wear a certain length of skirt at Bob Jones University.
1: Oh, that doesn't surprise me yeah, at all.
0: It's like several inches past the knee.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I remember at my Christian high school, many girls being asked to like put their hands down. And then they would measure like wow. the inches from their knees or their fingertips or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, girls trying to do like the little shimmy to like, how far down can I get the skirt <laughs> for this inspection? Yeah. <laughs> Good times. (laughs) So, okay. So Darlene also went to work for Bob Jones University. This all sounds very incestuous (laughs) and was on staff for 38 years. Okay. And he later mentions that they've been married for, I think, 48 years. So long time together.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: I'd say he did about 85, 90% of the talking. Okay. And she would occasionally chime in with something. They have like a little routine, a little bit of patter. But it's mostly him. Um,
0: she's the magician's assistant
1: that's right science ambassadors now that they're you know quote unquote retired they still go around they speak to various churches Christian schools for years they had led mission trips so they've got like stories about going to other countries with students so he opens up with and you know we already know that this is called water the miracle chemical Mm -hmm. but he says so there was a, a young man in Idaho who ran a petition telling people about a dangerous chemical called DHMO dihydrogen monoxide and it is a major component in acid rain it causes severe burns in its gaseous state it's found in tumors of cancer patients. Mm-hmm. It contributes to erosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carrie is smiling and I, nodding.
0: Sure. I, I see where he's going with this. And uh, sometimes I think this trick is fun.
1: It decreases the effectiveness of automobile brakes. <laughs> and it, I see. Okay. A, and uh-huh. a, accidental inhalation can kill you.
0: That's true.
1: And so... This
0: is a good exercise.
1: So, the, you know, of course, we all, I think, in the audience know where this is going. But he says that in the original petition that this young man had passed around, out of 50 people, 42 signed and agreed to ban this chemical, Mm -hmm. seven said, "Eh, no opinion. And only one actually said, like, oh, that's water. Mm-hmm. Dihydrogen monoxide. I get it. H2. I wonder if you're
0: oh. saying he was saying this was a study? Well,
1: not necessarily a study, but it was, like, something that a, a student did as a, I, I think is, like, a school project, essentially, just okay. to, like, go out there and see how the public would react to this very selective uh, right. telling of properties of water. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's,
0: a, that's fun if true. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I didn't try to look up that original one, but I've heard this story many times, and what he was giving was more detail about it than I I'd ever heard sure. Before, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see if somebody has run that as an actual study. I don't know. I'm going to write it down as a research question. Oh,
1: OK. I, I feel like I remember seeing maybe it was on um, Penn and Teller's bullshit, but I think I remember on that water episode seeing somebody replay that with like people on the street and getting them concerned about dihydrogen monoxide. Right, right. Anyway, so.
0: Long words scare people.
1: Yeah. And, you know, selective descriptions, all true about Mm -hmm, water and mm -hmm. where it can be found because, yeah, it's found everywhere. So that was a little comical opening about water. But this is about the miracle of water. So we're going to talk about all the amazing things that water can do. One of the initial miracles was that it's clear. It's colorless. How how amazing is that? A little?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess. It's
1: funny because the first thing they picked on, and I thought of you, is they said, can you imagine if water were orange? Like how (laughs) horrible the world would look if like we were just surrounded by like orange when we're trying to drive through the rain.
0: Oh, I see. I see.
1: But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, our senses kind of evolved along
0: with the
1: phenomena that we experience in the world. So... Probably it wouldn't make sense for our ancestors to evolve senses that...
0: That saw treat, the rain as orange.
1: Treated a neutral, yeah, chemical, right. like water, as like an opaque thing or something right that right, right. Totally. Uh, is distracting. But, uh, of course, they wouldn't agree with my whole premise when it comes to evolution. Sure. But, you know, why would a god design you that way as well?
0: Yeah, you wouldn't see water as orange because it's not useful.
1: And yeah, the the color phenomena that we see are just, you know, sensations in our brain. One of the things that annoys Car the most in our relationship is that early on, I, I was trying to explain how color is sort of a mental phenomenon. It doesn't really exist in the real world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, and so I tried to explain this a few different ways. Well, we were on a long drive at night and I was saying like, well, outside of the headlights, you know, when there's low light, we see everything is kind of black and white. Uh, <laughs> and so it's good talk. finally she said, I don't like the little world you live in. <laughs> And every, every now and then she'll use that like, you don't even think color is real. <laughs> well, it's real. It's just, it's a mental phenomenon. Oh, never mind.
0: This is so funny because last night.
1: <laughs> yeah? <laughs> You've got a Drew, recent Drew came story? Back,
0: Drew, <laughs> Drew came back from like a long movie shoot and plopped on the bed. And he goes, I'm thinking of a color. Guess what the color is? I'm like, okay. Can I ask questions? Yes. Does it have red in it? No. Does it have yellow in it? No. Anyway, it turned out the color was white. And I was like, well babe, white has all, those <laughs> all colors the colors. All the colors. And it made him so
2: mad. Oh, no.
0: He's like, white does it have all the colors? <laughs> <laughs> you just mean white has all the colors in like a you know, oh, white has all the colors. <laughs>
2: I mean, just like ah, And I knew I, what he meant. I
1: can hear Drew saying this, yeah. <laughs> but, but at I the also... moment, he didn't need Isaac Newton breathing down his neck. <laughs>
0: And it does. It has all
1: the colors. It does. Yeah. No, I'm you're sorry, right. Cara.
0: I'm sorry, Drew. It's like those, But some of us care about the colors and the thought of colors and where they go.
1: It's like when people debate whether black is a color. Yeah. Okay. We won't have that debate.
0: I didn't know people debated about that, but now I'll think about it.
1: Good. Have it out with Drew when he's really tired. <laughs>
0: okay,
1: I will. <laughs> when he's had a long day. So also, they're very thankful that water is odorless and tasteless as well. But again, I'm thinking like, (laughs) okay, but all right, fine.
0: (laughs) So he's just amazed that water's neutral. Yeah,
1: actually, that was Darlene talking. That was a rare moment where she got to contribute.
0: I'm sure Darlene loves water. She seems like someone who would like water and beige and oatmeal and plain rice. (laughs) The band Coldplay. (laughs)
1: Coldplay might be a little risque. (laughs) Those were just a few properties that right off the bat, we can thank God for. You know, water is so neutral in so many ways. But also, you know, let's look at the chemistry of it. So water looks like, this was his wording, an upside down Mickey Mouse... Ears, you know, like a, uh-huh. a, an upside down Mickey Mouse outline for the okay. head. Okay, yeah. He didn't get the memo where, you know, we're down on Disney here. Um, oh, right, right, right. And, and then he talks about how that gives it a positive charge and a negative charge, which makes water kind of sticky on a molecular level. Mm. So to demonstrate this, they had a rubber ball containing water that they would kind of like splat on a surface and it would be sticky. All right. I get what you're trying to get across. And mm. he says yeah. he, he doesn't. wants
0: to attach to things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: yeah, especially other water molecules. Sure. And so uh, he mentioned that he doesn't give the ball to Darlene anymore because she once hit him with it. And she says, it was just once. But that's <laughs> the kind of humor that we'll have throughout is this, uh, I was going to say sibling rivalry. That's wrong. This it, married couple. Well,
0: that's allowed here. Ken Ham said, marry your sister. Oh, Go that's, ahead.
1: That's right. I'm with him. But uh, that's their witty repartee. Uh, So he talks a lot about hydrogen bonding and then he does that thing where you take the mason jar, you fill it with water, you turn it upside down on sploosh, it all comes out. But then if you put a piece of paper underneath it and get it to sort of affix... Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't just immediately let go, but you know you make sure you've formed your seal, then you let go, and wow, that's pretty cool. The water holds, mm. and he holds it over his wife's head and makes a joke about how he's willing to bet their forty eight year marriage on science, not dropping the water on her head.
0: That's cool, yeah i do you think you could do that?
1: Oh, absolutely. you got water? you want me to do it right now?
0: Um, <laughs> Carrie I guess looks so. less
1: enthusiastic
0: uh like is this? will this work? Yeah,
1: fill it up with like uh three quarters water
0: three quarters.
1: I'll find a card. I should probably do this over a sink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Okay. So yeah. Well, you look
0: at that, Ella. Huh. Uh, Never thought of it.
1: But if you turn it ever so slightly sideways, there it goes. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: that's cool.
1: Now. Oh yeah, that's cool. Hey, we did it. Okay, Carrie already got a fun science demonstration. <laughs> So he said that's partly due to air pressure, uh, which we'll talk about in our air lecture at oh, 3 p.m. Oh,
2: goody. Don't worry,
1: I didn't go to that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but also cohesion and adhesion. But uh, yeah, yeah, all right, water, pretty nifty. He mentions that there's a book called How Water Evolved, and he says, well, that's just silly. It's God's design, obviously. Oh,
0: yeah. Really simplifies matters for you, doesn't it?
1: hmm He talks a bit about hydrophilic. Materials that really absorb water, like the kinds of things we put in diapers,
2: Mm, Okay.
1: also hydrophobic materials like this magic sand that he demonstrates that just does not absorb water at all, doesn't interact with it, but it's good for like cleaning up oil spills. Uh, So that's all very cool. Uh, And then he talks about another miraculous attribute of water which was kind of the first one my mind was expecting in all of this which is its high boiling point just Mm. kind of like compared to other molecules like if you sort of put it in a lineup it has an unusually high boiling point 100 degrees celsius or 373 degrees kelvin
0: actually wait i oh before everyone writes me it's not Uh. degrees
1: kelvin it's just 373 kelvin
0: okay Okay, Kelvin.
1: Uh, And so he says, it's like God designed water for this planet, or maybe God designed this planet for water.
0: Whoa, you flipped the sentence around. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. So there we
1: go. There's some mysteries we can have that the Bible doesn't settle for us. But he's very excited that he had mentioned Kelvin, because this gave him an opportunity to introduce us to Lord Kelvin, (laughs) aka William Thompson, uh, who was indeed a great scientist, Contributed a lot. Uh, He planned the transatlantic telegraph cables. Mm. Uh, Generally a great scientist who contributed to many things. But what was important to George was that Lord Kelvin was a great Christian and a scientific role model for all of us. He would even memorize chapters of scripture and recite them to his students. Okay. I
0: don't know if that's the best use of time, but okay.
1: (laughs) uh, He then put up a quote from Lord Kelvin that said, Science positively affirms creation power. If you think strongly enough, you will be forced by science to the belief in God. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty bold statement there.
0: Yeah, if you think about this enough, you will be a Christian.
1: So George Matsko is saying like, oh man, if he was alive today, he'd be astonished that there are actually people who call themselves scientists and who are atheists. (laughs) Okay,
0: Okay. maybe this one person would. Uh, Who
1: knows? But, but another, well, probably the major contribution by Lord Kelvin was the second law of thermodynamics. Heard of them. Yeah. You know, of course, there's that first law of thermodynamics. No
0: one cares about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't get used Fuck in it. arguments as much. But essentially, that one's all about uh, how energy can neither be created nor destroyed, the conservation of energy. Uh, but yeah, the second law of thermodynamics.
0: That's where it's at. That's the money, baby. That's the one the
1: creationists all know about. Yeah, and that's the idea that the the amount of disorder order in the universe entropy tends to increase
0: in a closed system
1: yes in a closed. yes that's an important piece and to answers in genesis's credit that's one of their like they have a website and i kind of like this they have a list of like arguments best not to use
2: oh
0: okay
1: yeah and that's actually one of them they say yeah stop trying to talk about the second law of thermodynamics. oh
0: wow good on them you're getting that
1: one wrong it's actually well it's interesting like they kind of Specifically mention it in relation to the fall, where they say that the second law of thermodynamics wasn't in effect until the fall happened, but they've worked it out. Because
0: that's when you fall?
1: To the fall from the Garden of Eden when uh, Adam and Eve were expelled or when they ate the apple because death couldn't have occurred before then
0: oh i see i see and they're
1: saying well well, no there's actually a lot of functions for life that require entropy so we don't think that that happened after the fall
0: good thinking guys
1: i know yeah a lot of people try to say like well evolution couldn't happen because you're adding new information but by the second law of thermodynamics everything tends towards disorder but Mm -hmm. like you just said the important thing they always forget is that that applies to a closed system We happen to live in an open system where we get energy from the sun, and you can apply energy to increase order locally. It's just overall the effect will be towards disorder. Anyways, they conveniently forget part of that when they use that for that other argument, which I haven't seen answers in Genesis make. So uh, at least I'm I'm giving them a thumbs up on their treatment of the second law.
0: Yeah, okay. That was all so much more information than what I know, which is that's just in a closed system.
1: Okay, well, you were right. I
0: memorized the bullet point. You had identified
1: then... the right Good. Uh, hole in their argument.
0: Good. I My gist processing worked.
1: Uh, but one thing he didn't mention about Lord Kelvin that's kind of relevant to the whole creation discussion is that he was trying to puzzle out the age of the earth And was hearing Darwin's ideas, you know, about how we needed like kind of an older Earth. Darwin didn't know exactly how long all of this took place over. He just knew we've got evidence of it. So anyways, he was looking at the heat transfer that comes from the Earth and radiates outward And also the heat that's coming from the sun. And he was trying to sort of work back looking at combustion, like, you know, how long has the sun been active? How long has the earth been Mm -hmm. around? And his estimate was anywhere from like 24 million years on the younger side Mm -hmm. to 400 million years on the older side. Okay, But he kind of preferred like maybe about 100 million years old for the earth. So there were additional things about convection within the Earth that he wasn't quite aware of and of course then radiation and also uh, fusion none of those were figured out yet like he didn't have those to work with so uh, he was greatly underselling the Earth's age Sure. but even his youngest estimate of like 24 million years that would be terrible for this whole creationist crowd Totally. they didn't want to mention that he had proposed that. Anyways that was another one of his contributions and there was nothing wrong with his calculations it's just he was missing additional factors sure
0: fair point point.
1: and george was happy to throw in like additional evangelical points here he said jesus is not affected by the law of entropy his word has been perfectly preserved for us and he was contrasting this with like the game of telephone where you like tell somebody something and it passes around oh line, sure comes back to you in mutated form yeah and for whatever reason he chose to make this point that like god's word has been perfectly preserved for us and i thought Huh. It was just sort of a like, whoa, well, we're really loosely tying the scientific concept to uh, make a really bold claim.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'm going to look at the scientific version of the equation with a fine tooth comb and then just paint with a huge broad brush my side of it there
1: we go yeah that that's probably what felt so jarring to me is like yeah we're like hey we're talking about molecules and lord kelvin and all the specificity and all of a sudden boom bold statement yeah yeah completely different domain yeah yeah
0: oh this reminds me of okay i was just asking my good friend matthew who's a lawyer i was just asking him like is there a legal term for this there's got to be a term for this where you're not arguing for the actual point you're making. Mm. You're arguing only against your opposition's points. Okay. Like here, I've made yeah, room yeah. for why my opposers are wrong. Fine, but we still haven't gotten to why you're right. Oh. And I feel like creationists just do this all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did he have a legal no. term for, okay.
0: I don't know why brought this up in the context of a conversation which my friend said no I don't know
1: but I I think that's a huge tact to keep in mind when you're talking with creationists or anybody who's kind of in a science denial position yeah I think you see that same tactic with well conspiracy theories rather than presenting like a cohesive view of what flat earth is and means and what the Mm -hmm. model is They'll just poke little inconsistent holes with the globe model that don't necessarily add up or even agree with each other. As long as they can poke holes in theory A, they feel like they've done some service for theory B. Yeah.
0: It's also a good thing to notice if you find yourself doing it, you know, like you're really just focusing on like, this is why they're wrong about that and that and that and not about what you have to offer.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. What is your positive statement that actually is testable or makes predictions? Right. Yeah, Absolutely. He also demonstrated condensation and the high heat of vaporization with one of those little drinking birds, you know, the one that kind a of- Oh, little
0: bobbly booze? Yeah, it
1: dips down yeah. and then it rises up. Yeah, that's up a miracle. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's miraculous. Sure. He explains the mechanism of it. And then Darlene chimes in and says, I think we should buy these for all of our grandchildren. We have eight grandchildren, by the way. They're very entertaining. They could watch <laughs> Good them.
0: Good segue, Darlene. Could watch
1: them for a while. And he said, I guess you haven't heard they have iPads now.
0: Oh. oh that's actually kind of news i bet there were some people there who did not like that really don't you think
1: mentioning ipads
0: yeah i bet there are some people who are like oh we don't let our kids use screens
1: oh i'm sure there's a fair amount of uh screen time monitoring yeah going on i yeah. mean i'm not
0: saying there's no good use for any of that but like yeah i just feel like this crowd would really have some people who are amish about
1: strong it. thoughts about yeah yeah, yeah. No. well again uh you know ken ham had his apple laptop earlier and, oh yeah you know all right tim cook is gay I don't know how they feel about that.:
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because they're homophobes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. the Apple logo, you know, covered in uh, uh,
0: yeah. do you think they would like oppose a product because the CEO of the company's gay? Do you think they could they go that would far? if it
1: was in their best interest, yeah,
0: yeah, sure. I guess that's true. Uh,
1: so then George sets a rag on fire and it's oh,
0: a, okay, yes, startling. Okay, so,
1: okay, that's cool, it's burning. Uh, but <laughs> it turns out it's a rag, it's made of cloth, but it's first been soaked in water before it was covered in isopropyl alcohol, so it is preserved mm. uh, because it is cloth. So he talks about that, and then he talks about uh, the burning bush, but really it's the non-burning bush because it was not consumed.
0: Ah. And again, it's
1: like, hey, we've been talking about you know, all this science stuff. Look at the science. And then broad reference to Christian thinking. Right. Kind of, it feels weird to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm feeling that too. Not holding the same standard.
1: So then he says, well, should I burn some money? And we all excitedly say, yeah, yeah, burn money. <laughs> okay. And I don't know, George is willing to go off the rails every now and then just test his audience because... Because he said, "Oh, well, I'm going to burn a $50 bill, and uh, I've done this demonstration in the South, and people get really excited when I'm going to burn Ulysses Grant. Because some people have forgotten that the Civil War is done. <laughs> it's like, wow, pretty bold here uh, in Kentucky, George, to be saying this.
0: Oh, I see. A
1: little dig at the Confederacy.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good on him, I guess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I said, well, that's a burn. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they then told a story about how Australian money does not work for this demo how they tried it once with a fifty dollar bill oh, oh,
0: they really did with
1: Australian currency, which is plastic and
0: oh it, it burned up and they
1: had to like put it out oh, no. there, there was a whole story about them trying to like get the bill replaced. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, so we demonstrate that and then he even puts his wife's hand on fire. That's how much he trusts the science that he's willing to risk his wife's hand, though he makes a joke about how you could do fine without one, which is-
0: Is she like talking about it <laughs> during any of this? <laughs> she
1: occasionally has a little quip or okay. witticism that she replies with, but uh-huh. it is is—it is mostly him. Like she told part of the story about the, the bill.
0: Uh-huh, uh, anyway.
1: okay. So then they demonstrate how water- can hold a lot of heat they have yeah you
0: can make water hot
1: they have a young lady come up from the audience might have been one of their grandchildren for all i know they knew her name anyways so she came up they had her take a balloon and slowly lower it down on top of a flame until of course predictably pop mm, uh, okay it, it, <laughs> that
2: startled me <laughs> that <made you> jump.
1: <laughs> I, I was just mimicking the action okay a balloon.
2: I really
0: saw it.
1: That's great. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Strong visualization.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. Okay, the balloon popped.
1: So then they had a water balloon, and they okay. lowered that over the flame, and <laughs> Carrie's now bracing herself. It did not pop, oh. because it could be right on top of the flame, but instead of the balloon bursting, it would turn brownish like at the point of the flame, but all the heat was actually getting absorbed by the water Mm. and he said that it would remain stable until the water started boiling and then that would break the balloon. So, another cool demonstration. Yeah. Um,
0: It's a miracle.
1: And so then he asked the audience, okay, so is there more land or is there more water on the earth? Water. That's right. It covers more of the surface of the earth. He said that, this is interesting, I've never heard this before, if the earth were smooth like a billiard ball, the water would be a mile and a half deep over it. Oh, wow. I believe it
2: yeah
0: okay
1: but you know where did all that water come from he asks everybody and I start to think well I've heard theories about from meteors <laughs> and they all say the flood God.
0: So, oh
1: Oh. okay well interesting because presumably the water was still there it was just in the deeps and in this
0: yeah he didn't drain the worlds before it this rained
1: this antediluvian canopy maybe that was existing over the earth uh, we haven't talked about that yet in the series have we and I don't think Answers in Genesis makes a big deal about it but there's this kind of creationist theory that the earth before the flood, well, that's what the term means, antediluvian, was covered by this antediluvian canopy of like just really thick clouds that people living then would never really see the sun Mm. or rarely because there was just such this thick, constant presence of clouds. And I remember as a Christian, I had this all worked out in my head like, oh, that makes total sense. And that's why Methuselah and Adam and all these other figures live so long because they were protected from the uv rays and the other cosmic mm. uh, um, radiation okay, by this fun. thick antedilu- yeah i had it all worked out in my head i was very proud of myself <laughs> uh <laughs> i was wrong anyways
0: <laughs> you're like they didn't get skin cancer
1: yeah yeah so they live longer yeah way <laughs> way longer didn't get cancer of any kind uh, i thought But the point that he was making with the balloon demonstration and talking about the earth having so much water is that it allows us to stay temperate within a certain temperature range, which is true and good.
0: Miracle. Is he pointing out which of these things are miracles?
1: Typically, whenever he establishes another one of the properties it retains a lot of heat, for example. You know miracle. that's miraculous. Yeah, okay. There's no stories of like weeping statues or anything like that. This is Oh a... yeah, that'd be better. <laughs> that'd be more Parting interesting. Parting of the
0: Red Sea, water it... into wine.
1: Right. That would be a water-based miracle.
0: Arguably the mana miracle.
1: This is the kind of miracle where a scientific description of the properties of an exceedingly useful chemical molecule are extolled as are miracles.
0: A mir- miracle. Okay.
1: So then he introduces an another pioneer of science and this is a name i wasn't familiar with but then once he started describing the guy's like oh okay i've heard of this person so philip henry goss who lived from 1810 to 1888 and he says well maybe some of you have heard of his contemporary charles darwin
0: oh we we've all, heard of him
1: yeah and he says what you remember the atheist and you forget <laughs> the christian well, he was, he was more popular than Darwin in his day. Ah. Uh, he was known as being a pioneer of marine biology. And he was a great artist uh, who would mm-hmm. you know, draw many of his specimens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also the creator of the aquarium and, okay. and coined the word aquarium, or he perfected the aquarium, okay. I guess, and came up with that name. And he was an opponent of evolution. He wanted nothing to do with it. And
0: yet he knew how to make an aquarium? Yeah. My goodness. Both
1: things are possible in the same human. Huh. So, quote from Philip Henry Goss, if any choose to maintain, as many do, that species were gradually brought to their maturity from humbler forms, he is welcome to his hypothesis, but I have nothing to do with it.
0: Okay. So... That's a long way to say I disagree.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, Funny that you would say that, because uh, the book that he's most known for is... Omphalos, which just means like belly button. This is what I'd heard of before. Stephen Jay Gould described it as purple prose. So apparently he Uh, was good at writing this like overly verbose fashion. And so it was called belly button because like one of his arguments was that not only did God create the world and, you know, everything in it, but as he created, say, Adam and Eve... He created them with all the signs of aging, like they were adults when he created them. They weren't babies that then grew up. Mm. So Adam would have had a belly button, as would Eve. That's always the question, like, you know, if they were just created, why would you need a belly button, which is just sort of like a leftover scar of having had an umbilical cord. And so in the same way, he thought that God created all the trees there with rings in them.
0: Mm, but why? <laughs> uh, what's your? What makes you say this? Well,
1: like why? Why have a? You know why create a world without full grown trees? And what do full grown trees have? Rings. So God just had to create that. What? It's to explain yeah. this kind of weird initial condition where you couldn't have gradually gotten right. To this.
0: Right, dealing with my opponent's point without making my own.
1: When George was talking about him, he was saying, "Yeah, great scientist and believer in God, but you know we don't agree with everything." Now that he said, and he just moved on. But I thought, oh, okay, what is that?
0: Hang on, so <laughs> back have, up the trolley.
1: I was reading more about omphalos and by the way, that book sold horribly. So you know, <laughs> Origin of Species was a great seller. This one, like they couldn't and get rid of it and so they tried changing its name to I think just creation or something like that and that also didn't sell mm. and so they ended up having to pulp a bunch of oh bulbs. wow yeah but one of his arguments was that all of these like fossils found in the ground those yeah. were also just like things that as God was creating a fully formed world he just put all of these fossils in the ground
2: why <laughs> to
1: give it the appearance of being an old earth what? That's a good question. I think everybody else said, why?
0: What's God thinking? Why does he want to do this? I, I
1: don't think he went so far as to say, like, God did this to fool. Uh,
0: test us.
1: Yeah, test us or anything like that. It's just, like, the consequence of creating an aged Earth. This is another thing I remember kind of believing, though. And I remember my big analogy back when I was a creationist was, well, think of Star Wars. When George Lucas had them create the Millennium Falcon, they didn't create it like as this bright, shiny spaceship they manufactured it with all of mm. these, you know, meteor impacts and mm-hmm. dents and scuffles because it looks more interesting. That's how so it
0: looks older
1: and lived in and has character.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, That again, I thought I was on to something.
0: That's so bizarre. Oh, wait, this was your theory. That I'm was my completely way. We missed the originator of this theory while I was mocking it. OK, that,
1: that was my explanation of the old Earth theory like that god created an earth with signs of age he didn't create it with like just okay flat land he created it yeah. with mountains you know you I have see. to put those mountains in place and i see they're gonna have like ridges and
0: it's a very good theory <laughs> that's fine you... <laughs> no i know you disagree with it now <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can you can dump on my theories old or new He talked about how, this is another one I was expecting in this talk, that uh, water is unusual in that when it gets to solid form, it gets lighter. And uh, he makes one point uh, out of many I think you could make for why that's a good thing on this planet. But it would kill all the fish if the water like froze from the bottom up.
0: Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Instead it
1: forms like this nice little layer on top
0: the fish would be different.
1: Right. Yeah, that seems to be an understanding that's sorely lacking throughout this talk. Is like, Yeah. Well, if things were different, then things would be different.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Now he talks about water being a solvent, how it can hold like a lot of materials and dissolve a lot of materials. So here's where he gives another cool demonstration that he illustrates uh, with kind of a biblical analogy. Let me see if I can pull up a quick video for you. So this guy has what looks like water. And he's pouring it onto a seed of a crystal. Whoa! And what's coming out of the water is building on top of that seed of a crystal to form a salt pillar. Whoa! And this ends up a very, a <laughs> very tall column. So. This is the same demonstration that uh, Dr. George was showing us. It's cool. Yeah, with uh, sodium acetate that's super saturated inside of water. So the water looks clear, but like 20% of it is this sodium acetate. And uh, when you pour it out, if you've got a seed crystal or, or even if like you bump the table or bump the glass hard enough, it'll start crystallizing. And so he put it on top of a little doll and said like, this is Lot's wife and let's turn her to a pillar of salt. So yeah, that was a fun thing that
0: happens in the Bible. Yeah.
1: Cool science demonstration shows a property of water to hold a lot of material inside of it. But then he has an interesting little take on that story. So he says, by the way, uh, we're not saying this is what happened to Lot's wife. It was probably sodium sulfide or sulfate because it's most likely that there was a sulfurous comet that broke up over Sodom and Gomorrah. What? And rained down on her.
0: Whoa. (laughs) So now we're getting specific.
1: Yeah. We are
0: far away from that earlier. Oh, I'm painting with a broad brush about my claims. No, this time I'm going for it.
1: Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it was so specific. And- how, the timing of this, that, okay, so the, <laughs> <laughs> so the city's been destroyed, uh, you're fleeing it as, you know, like, fires rain down upon it, and you are instructed, don't look back.
0: And you do because there's a fucking comet whizzing through the sky. You You're l- like,
1: what's that? You l- <laughs> All of a sudden, drippings from a comet fall on you and turn you into a pillar of salt. I think he's trying way too hard yeah, to find like too. a physical correlate for this uh, story that's obviously not true.
0: How strange. Or is,
1: if true, purely miraculous. Yeah, it's like, okay, well... Probably that was going to hit her regardless, even if she didn't look back. And why did it hit just one person standing around there, not anyone else in that And why is she party? getting
0: blamed for it if a comet was coming her way? Right. She, was, she wanted to duck. Yeah,
1: why is there this lesson about not looking back when uh, there's a moral transgressor behind you?
0: Right. Yeah, uh,
1: bizarre. That just That floored me. But guess what else is a miracle of water? It's beautiful. It's just, it's beautiful to look at. But clear. Yeah, he did. When he was talking about the clear thing, he did briefly address, you know, like why the ocean is blue. He said, it's not water reflecting the sky. Wherever that textbook is that says that, I need to find that and rip it up. It's just, it's light absorption and Mm -hmm. blue tends to scatter more. That's the same reason that the sky is blue. Um, You
0: know, white has all
1: the colors. Because it's a a shorter wavelength. Yes, because white contains all the colors. So he's talking about how beautiful it is and he says, evolution can't introduce beauty it doesn't even have that ability and I thought again you're what?
0: like what why you're
1: forgetting that we as the beholders yeah were the, either I cre- got evolved either created or evolved in this world and of course our sense of what's beautiful is going to be tied to the world that we evolved or were created in. oh
0: my god yeah and beauty like t- he picked the most subjective one possible yeah, beauty right. yeah beauty is yeah I mean not just in the eye of the beholder in the cheesy way but also just like everybody has different taste
1: mm-hmm. and you know know, this guy's been a missionary and taught at the pulpit. So of course, he has to also mention that water is used in the Bible as a symbol of spiritual birth and That's life. True. And look at water, it's priceless, and yet it's free. And <laughs> just yes. just like water, the gift of salvation is also priceless and yet free, and some people won't accept it. Mm. So our job is to be the salt of the earth and show people how thirsty they are for the water of life, which is Christ. He takes this metaphor and he just (laughs) twists and uses it every which way he can.
0: Yep, yep. This reminds me a lot of like time for young Christians in the Presbyterian church where the pastor would tell a story to the really little kids and everyone else would just listen for like 10 minutes and then the little kids would leave and go to Sunday school Mm -hmm. and it would always be these sorts of object lessons that were just so basic basic yeah
1: yep so that was it and then like he kind of ended with sort of like um essentially like a salvation message like come on who here needs that (laughs) right now
0: really The person in the back who's like, I thought this was just a water talk.
1: (laughs) It's the only reason I signed up for this conference. (laughs) What's an arc? (laughs) Uh, So then he transitioned into a pitch for Bob Jones University. He says, We've been teaching the biblical view of science at BJU for 93 years. (laughs) Um, I see it was founded in 1927. Uh, Anyways, he said 38% of the students at Bob Jones University come from homeschool families. How many? 38%.
0: 38%. More
1: than a third.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a lot.
1: More than 37%.
0: Yep, yep. That's right. That's right. You got that right.
1: <laughs> he even plays a little video about homeschoolers and how well they've adapted to life at Bob Jones University. And uh like has little interviews with them. They're all just Aww. saying little nice things like, I didn't think I could fit in, but then, you know, I met great new friends and now I feel great.
0: <laughs> Aww, <laughs> a lot of bless that. them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know Bob Jones is one of the last schools that doesn't have any locks on its dorm room doors. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, my first reaction is like, wow, that's so nice and trusting. I'm glad they have a community like that, but then my second thought is, uh-oh, that's probably been abused in horrible ways.
0: Well, yeah, it, I mean, I think they basically just randomly walk into your room and check it for stuff and
1: Oh, cool. That kind of thing. Right. Then he shares a slide just to make sure that we understand Bob Jones University's creation position.
0: Okay. Genesis is a factual narrative of historical events. A recent date for the creation week, thousands, not millions. The fall of man into sin had profoundly negative consequences for all of creation, including the introduction of death. The flood described in Genesis 6-8 to was a historical event, global in extent, and catastrophic in effect. And God made humans in his image as rational creatures who are charged with investigating and maximizing the usefulness of God's creation.
1: There we go. So he just wanted all these parents to know, hey, we we teach it right here. We stick to the fundamentals. Uh, But then this is where he gets into... The pitch for like, you know, a lot of people say you go to a Christian school and you're not going to get as good of a science education, but au contraire, Mm. this is a world-class science education. Yes,
0: here we go. The big defense.
1: So his first example is the robotics program with Dr. Bill Lovegrove, which came in second this past year in, I can't remember what the competition was, but essentially they won a $75,000 grant to study autonomous tanks uh, for the military. So they competed against other schools and did well in this robotics competition.
0: Gotcha. So maybe strong in engineering.
1: Yeah. And then they also won a $105,000 prize from Elon Musk's X Prize. Hmm. And they're the only Christian school to have won that. Um, And he mentioned the other schools they were competing against, MIT, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, Harvey Mudd or whatever. And then he mentioned... We have a hundred plus other programs. So we've got quantum materials. You can study chemistry. You can do cancer research. We even have a cadaver lab for, for our pre-med students. Yeah. And he said that's really rare, like for secular or Christian schools. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that is cool.
0: I wonder if that's people specifically wanting to give their body to like a Christian place. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Huh. I just got back from an awesome trip in the UK and one place we spent a lot of time in was Edinburgh. Oh, yes! And they have the the medical school there, you know, which did a lot of amazing, uh, you know, early work on the, the human body and they have the Surgeon's Museum there, which is just like wild. They've got all these oh, cool. collections of pathologies and you can see, like, there's a skull from someone who died at Waterloo.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's
1: like crazy. Like you're looking at someone's preserved skull with a bullet hole in there. Yeah,
0: wow. And
1: then they've got all of these uh, formaldehyde preserved specimens of people with just like everything that can go wrong with the human body. Sure. And yeah, it's just, it's stunning and mind boggling. But also they have a preserved death mask of William Burke. There, from the famous Burke and Hare, who mm. they were infamous for having murdered people to give their bodies to the medical school.
2: Whoa. Because at
1: the time, there was a big practice of, uh, because like it was so hard to get cadavers, it was so looked down upon that uh, medical students would even go out and dig up graves. Grave robbing. Okay. Yeah. And wow. they, they have in the graveyards there, like at Grayfriars and elsewhere, like you could see some graves that are covered in metal cages Uh just so people couldn't get to them and steal the bodies. You'd have nighttime watchmen. Like, this was a big issue because they wanted to study the body, but there were so many social mores against getting that. And so he saw an opportunity and would, like, take in a woman from out of town (sighs) and say, like, oh, sad to be all alone in the world. Why don't you come stay with me and be all friendly and then (sighs) kill her and sell her body to the medical school? Yeah. So...
0: Is there already a book about this guy?
1: Oh, yeah. There's even a movie about uh, Burke and Hare. Okay,
0: okay. Uh, um, Good. I don't have to write that.
1: So uh, in that same surgeon's museum, they also have a notebook bound in leather made from his skin. (laughs) That was part that's
0: of so gross. That
1: was part of his punishment was to have you know they, Whoa. they make they
0: actually did that yeah and wow when you look
1: at them there's very few like confirmed ones you know they exist of books, and that's one books bound in human flesh yeah and wow. that's one and it's hard to tell it from regular leather because you know. Sure, skin, that's also skin. And we're all animals. Yeah. Except the creationists disagree with that. Anyways, that was all on the side to talk wow. about cadaver labs. That
0: was so interesting. I'm
1: sure that okay. is not how Bob Jones University gets its cadavers, <laughs> because now there's a little more acceptance. So cool. I mean, all of that's great. I'm glad they have all those programs. And yeah, I was kind of thinking sort of what you were suggesting, that when you're kind of dead set against certain areas of science, certain conclusions of science, but you're committed to the idea that science agrees with your worldview, mm-hmm. that you kind of focus on the areas that are just non-controversial. Like, yeah, maybe you make a really good robotics program. Right. And you right. Know, maybe that's a good thing, that this little isolated mm-hmm. example of fixating on one area of science or, or trying to avoid another. Anyway, so he made that whole pitch. He told us all to come down to their booth downstairs. He shared their email and everything and said, uh, OK, well, we got to set up for our 3 p.m. talk about air but uh, (laughs) see y'all and that was it for
0: well back to my boring life the miracle chemical
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Brian Osborne came up, the guy who did that motion thing with yeah. me just earlier that day.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: He was also the guy who introduced Ken Ham earlier. So he came up and he said, I, I love the idea that science properly understood supports scripture and glorifies God.
0: Oh, yes. Properly understood is doing properly a lot of heavy lifting un- yes, there. Yes,
1: it is. So he said, all right, see you all back here at 3 p.m. And so I broke off to go see some more of the Ark.
0: Nice. Did you hunt any killers while you were doing that?
1: I didn't. If I had known there were any killers on the Ark, I would have definitely hunted them. Yeah. Have you hunted any killers?
0: I have. Thank you for asking. I have hunted a guy, okay, in a hotel. Yeah, that's right. And he was having sex with somebody
1: that's also right
0: anyway it was really good I, I know had a which good one you're time. talking about yeah <laughs> I had a good time playing it we're talking about hunt a killer hunt
1: a killer that's right it's a not just one board game mystery it's multiple well and I don't even know why I'm saying board game it comes in like a box like you would expect a board game to come in but when you open this thing
0: it's an interactive miracle
1: oh my goodness you've got receipts you've got miracle. maps you've miracle. got table napkins miracle. you've got yeah, just like water, it's full of miracles.
0: Exactly. You've
1: got a lockbox that you got to figure out the code for. It's all of this mystery that you you know nothing about. You just have to like start reading all the clues and figure out what's going on. And they've invited you to come help solve this mystery, find the killer, bring them to justice. Well, actually, we don't bring them to justice. We identify who they are and hope that the legal system will do its thing.
0: <laughs> exactly. You're the detective with Hunt a Killer.
1: Yeah, you're not a vigilante. Right. <laughs> you're you're a detective. <laughs>
0: Don't get too involved with this. (laughs) But if you like solving mysteries, this is a good game pack for you. Yeah. You might say. It's this immersive experience where you get to be the detective in a fully realized fictional universe.
1: You described that so well.
0: Thank you. Yeah, all the boxes have dossiers, maps, puzzles, ciphers, digital evidence... So, you know, you're kind of following along this case and making your own guesses. But if you get stumped, there are there are ways to keep going.
1: Oh, yeah. That one with the hotel you're talking about. I should have gone to the website and gotten the clues because they will give you some Mm. clues if you're having a hard time. You know, we jumped to conclusions a little too soon. We thought they were trying to distract us with a few people. And then we thought the other people were distractions and we thought we'd settled on the actual killer. But nope. Those were distractions as well.
0: Oh, dang.
1: Yeah. By we, I mean my friend Dave and his friend Paul who are helping me do this. But that's another cool thing about this. You can actually do this with one person. And it's Yourself. It's fun to look at the side of the box and see one plus people. Yeah, that is nice. But you can do it with a group of five or six and still have a... Or two. Yeah, you can like then say, all right, you look through that log and you let us know every time that someone left the hotel room. Yeah, uh, oh, it, sure. Okay, you work on trying to figure out uh, what the, the code is for the lockbox. Teamwork. Teamwork.
0: It makes the dream work. Exactly. It's perfect for game night or date night or solve it on your own for an extra challenge.
1: So head on over to hunt a killer at slash oh no and use code oh no to take advantage of the killer discounts. <laughs> I see what they did there. And limited edition merchandise during their month of mystery.
0: Ooh, Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah.
1: You probably already have a favorite animal. Maybe it's a powerful apex predator like the tiger or a
2: cute and cuddly panda. And those are great. But have you considered something a little more unconventional? Could I perhaps interest you in the Greenland shark, which can live for nearly 400 years? Or maybe the jewel wasp who performs brain surgery on cockroaches to control their minds.
1: On Just the Zoo of Us, we review animals by giving them ratings
2: out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Listen with friends and family of all ages to find your new favorite animal with Just the Zoo of Us on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts.
0: So you were out of town recently? I was. So you probably haven't been able to make too many meals for yourself. You must miss your experience in the kitchen.
1: I do. In fact, I have a HelloFresh meal waiting for me to make.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm very
1: excited about it. It's got quesadillas and peppers and beans and I want to make it.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Well, that's so funny you should mention that because one of the sponsors of this episode is HelloFresh, that meal service. What? Yes. The
1: miracles never cease.
0: And from holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes.
1: Also, HelloFresh's Festive Eats makes mealtime a snap. Choose from holiday-inspired dinner recipes, seasonal add-ons, or even a three-course offering all designed to make holiday meals extra yummy and easier than ever.
0: Mm, You said it, Ross. Festive eats. That sounds good. Seasonal. Yeah.
1: And every time you can, in advance, you can choose either what they just put on your plate based on your preferences. Like you can tell them, hey, I want vegetarian meals or they've even got some vegan meals now.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's a real upgrade.
1: Or you can go in there and you can be like, well, show me the other options. Like maybe you want to keep the pasta dish, but maybe you want to reevaluate the enchiladas and, and see what else they've got this week and yeah it's you might end up tradie, with a tradie. lovely stir fry
0: oh yeah there you go and they also have quick and easy options like 20 minute meals and easy cleanup dishes and you know it's just to make it easy on effort but they genuinely have really good food
1: oh yeah uh, it's always a good meal and even when i cook it's still a good meal it just <laughs> takes longer to make
0: So go to HelloFresh.com slash Ono18 and use code ONO18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. What is going on? I don't know.
1: That's HelloFresh.com slash Ono18 and code ONO18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping.
0: We don't get it. We (laughs) HelloFresh. We don't understand it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great deal. Hello, I'm a stuffy dowager countess. Travis? I'm judging
0: everybody's manners. Oh, no. Schwanners isn't judgy. It's about teaching you to be your best self and be a little more confident when you enter social situations that you don't understand and maybe also teach you a little bit about history you didn't know or give you interesting things to talk about at parties. Yeah, like the secret life of Emily Post. Or like why wristwatches are the way that they are. We can talk about table manners from the Victorian era. Sure. Or what it's like to attend a Regency ball. Yeah. Uh, You can find all that and more if you listen to Schmanners on Maximum Fun or wherever your podcasts
1: come from, I guess. Schmanners,
0: Schmanners. Get it?
1: All right, so as I mentioned, I did go cruise the Ark for a while, and I took the most American photo I will probably ever take.
0: Wow, okay.
1: Did I show you this? Okay, let me think
0: about this. No, I don't think so. Wait, are you pretending to eat something? Nope. Okay, are you in front of a big American flag?
1: There is an American flag, but- are
0: you saluting?
1: No, the American flag is represented, but not in flag form.
0: It's food that's- Wrapped in the American flag.
1: <laughs> food is implied. Food at least a drink is item implied. is implied.
0: Right, are you
1: ready for this? Are you ready implied to see the,
0: food, okay.
1: You ready to see the most American photo? Yes. That Ross has ever taken?
0: Okay, here we go. Oh, wow.
1: So this is- <laughs> Wow, it's uh, uh, a beautiful uh, photo. Thank you. Uh, this <laughs> is a man wearing a white cowboy hat and a giant American flag shirt, so- The right side of him is covered in stars, and the left side of him is covered in red and white stripes.
0: Does he have a gun?
1: Uh, That's not a gun. Okay. Because that would make it more American. No, he's got stuff like kind of hanging out of his pockets, but I don't think any of them is a gun. But he is purchasing a Pepsi inside of the Ark.
0: Hell yeah, dude.
1: And, uh, you know, kind of uh, a heavy set. American uh-huh, gentleman uh-huh. yeah I just I saw this and I said this is the most American bit. thing I've ever seen
0: yeah uh, stature aside oh oh huh yeah what a creature what an interesting guy.
1: <laughs> Blue jeans that's part of it big big heavy belt.
0: Yeah I feel like what is this man's role in my life? I feel like I <laughs> I accidentally I end up at like a friend's family reunion and this guy's just there and you're like how does this person connect to my life at all okay you know yeah, yeah. and he just starts talking to you about like the gold standard <laughs> and you can't get away i'll
1: have to post this is just yeah i was very proud of this photo so american <laughs> so much happening here all right, but eventually I had to get back because 3 p.m. was my slot for teaching critical thinking skills.
0: Okay.
1: With Dr. Dana Sneed.
0: Oh, man. Teaching critical thinking skills. I don't know that these are the people to do it, but I want to give them a chance. Maybe yeah. this is how Obama felt.
1: Okay. Wait, how so?
0: Open-mindedness and a chance to lead. Okay,
1: I like it. And I'm going to give
0: you three minutes.
1: <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> I feel like, yeah, well, I'll tell you now. It didn't begin well.
0: Okay, stoked. Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> yeah, cool. I thought, can't wait.
1: I thought we'd sort of like work our way into the deep end. Nope. Sure. Jump okay. Great. Right in oh, there. okay. Great. But to your point, like, yeah, if, if someone who like us has a different view of the world. Were to kind of recommend one important thing that we would want young Christian homeschooled children to have, it would be critical thinking. Yeah, that that's they, probably right. That they would know to evaluate what they're being taught. Yeah. And, you know, that we would trust eventually they'll kind of work their way to, yeah. to what's correct. So I thought, okay, let's see how they teach critical thinking skills. Probably
0: really well. What
1: does that mean to them? So I went back to the same room where I had my Bible in motion Seminar class, I would spend a lot of oh, time man. in that little conference room that day
0: back into the hypnotism chamber,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like kind of two rooms that could have been separated with one of those little temporary dividers, oh, sure. And you've got like the drop tile ceiling and you've got like the tiled carpet that would be perfect for hiding stains. All of these uh, rows of blue chairs that sort of lock into each other,
0: mm-hmm, you know, with mm-hmm. padding on the yeah, true classroom, on the back yeah. And
1: bottom. yeah. So uh, so that's where we are. And again, just like with Bible in Motion, there's about 40 people there. We could have fit more. And uh, maybe maybe a quarter of them are kids. I feel like there were slightly fewer kids than there were in the Bible in Motion session. So that same blonde woman in glasses and her uh, Answers in Genesis staff shirt comes up to give the same spiel about... Please silence your phones. Here are the exits. And it's like, it's such a, you know, relatively small room. We know where the exits are, but you know, it's her job to point them out. So she's a door. She does it dutifully and introduces the speaker, Dr. Dana Sneed, who has a master's in divinity. Okay. And a PhD in divinity. Education.
0: Okay. And I
1: looked this up online that. PhD in education comes from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary.
0: Okay, Baptist.
1: She's also a curriculum writer for Answers in Genesis.
0: Oh, sure she is.
1: And I'll tell you What's later. What's her name, Sneed? Sneed. Okay. Dr. Dana Sneed. Dr.
0: Dana Sneed. And
1: I will tell you uh, later the names of the books she wrote, So I think it would give away a little oh, bit okay. much. Oh, okay. I, I won't mention. Google her yet. So we all clap for her. And uh, so she looks young, maybe like in her 30s.
0: Oh, interesting. She looks kind of like the Beale sisters a little bit. The who now? The Beale sisters from Girl Defined.
1: Oh, oh, okay.
0: Maybe a little bit from-
1: They might get along.
0: From further away. Um. Yes, they probably also get along, yep.
1: She's uh, wearing all black, a short sleeve, answers in Genesis shirt, and she's got her staff lanyard, and she's got lo- very long hair that actually like goes down to past her lower back, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got bangs in the front, and the rest is kind of pulled back before it sort of cascades down behind her, sort of light brown hair. She's wearing black-rimmed glasses.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bangs.
1: Yeah, bangs.
0: She bangs, she bangs.
1: Okay, so she comes up and says, oh, I hope you're all having a great time here. And everybody murmurs in approval. Are you already looking her up?
0: Oh, no, I was looking at Bob Jones University's cadaver lab. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Carrie had a very interesting expression. Okay, so after asking us if we're all having a great time here, she said, well, I hope this isn't the session that changes that for you. And no, it would not be. I would be having a great time.
0: It's kind of a weird thing to say.
1: This is very like a I don't know like self-deprecating thing. Like yeah, I hope okay. I hope I'm not so horrible that I make you hate this conference. Ah.
0: That, that
1: was her opening joke, but then she is goes, "It's
0: gonna suck." She-
1: <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, miss. <laughs>
0: what did you mean by that will this suck (laughs) are you a bad speaker
1: that's funny that you would say that because one of the refrains is that she'll teach us to ask children what they meant by what they just said oh uh so that would have been apropos but then she dives just right into it she says i want you to see by the time that we're done here that critical thinking is biblical thinking (sighs) oh no
0: Okay. All right. So you well, have- that could mean two things. One could be the Bible teaches you to think critically, which is arguable. I would say it's false, but it's arguable. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other makes me despair, which is critical thinking is only critical if it leads you toward the Bible.
1: Let's see where we're going. Okay. You've all heard of critical thinking. It's a bit intimidating and kind of hard to define, which okay. I'll grant her. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those concepts that is hard to define. Uh, she said, can any of you give me a definition? And in Ross mode, I didn't see anyone immediately raise their hands. Like, I must fill the silence. So mm-hmm. I rose my sure. hand. She called on me and I inarticulately said, a mode of thinking that examines things and compares them to others to find truth.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. And
1: she said- Okay, that's not a bad definition. So then another woman said, thinking outside the box. Okay. And the speaker said, okay, that could definitely be a part of it. So... To her credit, she's not like one of those professors who's like, no.
0: That's not exactly what I was thinking no. of. Yeah, no. that's
1: not the strange idiosyncratic thing that I always go with. <laughs> that
0: I have in mind. You are that wrong. I may not have even defined to myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is uh, uh, a pet peeve for both of us. So another woman said, analyzing your own biases and comparing those with observations. Ooh. And I thought, uh, whoa. Okay,
0: Madam Curie, when did you get in here? <laughs> I
1: thought, oh, nicely done. I wish I had said that, yeah. (laughs) And uh, Dr. Sneed said, oh, that's definitely part of it.
0: Okay. Oh, I wonder what she felt was missing from that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that was good. And she said, well, if you notice, we had... Three people give us different definitions, Oh, yep. and they weren't necessarily mutually exclusive. They probably could all agree with what each other said, but you may agree at least that it's hard to define and put into exact words. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yep, to- totally agree with that point. And I, I did a quick Google search, and I, I saw a bunch of different definitions all kind of like right in the first page. And most of them had something to do with like being objective, analyzing, evaluating data and arguments like multiple inputs and kind of weighing them against each other, um, being unbiased or at least aware of your biases, being fair minded, seeking truth. So those seem to be Mm -hmm. like consistent themes and sound like we were all kind of dancing around that. So she said, we all have the sense of critical thinking, but it is hard to define. And part of that is because the secular culture has tried to separate critical thinking from its purpose and its foundation. Oh, no. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. My definition is, and she put it up on the little screen above her, critical thinking is a disciplined and reasoned search for truth.
0: Oh. Okay. 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 Good. Good. End of talk.
1: No. Oh. That would have been a good place to end the talk yeah, actually. Yeah. Maybe a few I'm seconds with her so in. Far. She said other definitions forget why we're thinking critically.
0: Mm, thank you. It's not just for the purpose of
1: thinking.
0: Thank you. Finally someone's saying it.
1: It's a search for truth. And then here we go. The truth is Jesus. This is an exact quote from her. When we start with scripture, we see there is a biblical foundation for critical thinking, and even a biblical mandate.
0: Oh wow, she's going to take the first tack
1: when we oh. start with scripture. I thought that was so telling. Oh, like yeah, when sure. you, yeah, when you start with scripture and work your way back from that.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I just thought mm. that part of her okay. phrasing was so telling that. That she even started with that. When you start with scripture, mm-hmm. should that be your starting point when you're thinking critically?
0: Oh, okay. I, I took that to mean like, let's dive into Hamlet here and see where he talks about family.
1: Okay, all right. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's do okay, going. Okay, yeah,
0: let's see. You know what's going to happen. So. Yeah,
1: that's right. I, <laughs> I, I've been there. I lived it. So she says, it all starts with the nature of God, the triune nature of God. Mm, yes. So the Bible doesn't tell us about the Trinity. That was a later right doctrine that then you can try to pigeonhole into the Bible or find little instances. But she's making the point that the three persons of the Trinity is where we find critical thinking.
0: Okay. Okay. Father, (laughs) Son, Holy Spirit? Yep. Okay.
1: So God the Father is the source of critical thinking. And Proverbs 2, 6 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes wisdom and understanding.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. We've got scriptural support, so.
0: That's not... Critical thinking, though.
1: The Lord gives us wisdom. What do you want? It's like a synonym.
0: (laughs) Wisdom, though, is like...
1: From his mouth come wisdom and understanding.
0: Understanding's closer. All right. Wisdom I just think of as like older people's gist processing, where they've like taken in a bunch of data Mm. and summarized it in their head, and they've done a pretty good job of gathering a lot of stuff, and so the summary can be trusted. That's the most ideal version of wisdom. But it's not teaching you to think... It's teaching you to backwards associate.
1: Well, who was the wisest man who ever lived, Carrie?
0: Arthur Miller?
1: No, Solomon. Oh. And who wrote Proverbs?
0: Is it Solomon?
1: Not really, but they think so. Okay. And that's a verse from <laughs> Solomon. So I don't know what okay. more you could possibly All right. want. Okay. <laughs> but no, no, your, your analysis is valid. So she said, it's only because God created things that we have the ability to think in the first place.
0: Oh, okay. Or the
1: ability to reason.
0: Okay. No just
1: ontology I, I think that's I a common know. CS Lewisism too which is so annoying like even by the process of thinking about like whether god exists or not you are using the very faculty that he gave you
0: Right yeah who cares
1: Such a begging the question kind of thing
0: Yeah I mean and even like I mean if a kid is thinking do i really have parents you don't go, fuck you. I made you that brain that you're using right now. You go like, good job, kid. You're thinking about this. What do you think? Could I not be your parent? You encourage that. Is yeah. this a bad example?
1: <laughs> you're not going to like this. Okay. She says, one of the things that distinguishes us from animals is that ability. And what is the number one thing that separates us from animals?
0: Okay. Hubris. <laughs>
1: One of the audience members chimes in, we were created in the image of God.
0: Oh, clap, 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 clap. That's
1: exactly right.
0: Isn't there like a really famous story about how God was like, don't think for yourselves, Adam and Eve, or I will kick you out of heaven?
1: That sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, okay. Cool, cool.
1: (laughs) So what... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. The whole tree of the knowledge of good and yeah, evil. Yeah, It's all a story about like not knowing things.
0: Yeah, you should be like, I, I feel like I want more information, but I'm going to stifle that impulse.
1: And we're all still paying for that act of uh, critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Part of what that means is that we can reflect, we can think, we can be aware, we can reason. He has given that to us. You don't see animals thinking about thinking, right?
0: I have no idea how would I know it's funny
1: I, I had a little shoulder carry that like popped up and said the exact same thing. I mean, am I direction. the only
0: person thinking this thought? Like, I don't know what my cat's thinking right now. What is she thinking about? How would I know? How do I know what you're thinking about? Why are we guessing at this?
1: <laughs> this, is, this is the carry response uh. I was waiting for. I knew that would bug you. <sighs>
0: I don't agree with any of this.
1: (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So we move on from God the Father to the second person of the Godhead, the Son, who is? Jesus. Yep, good. You're in line with the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie's like, got her arms crossed. She's no longer playing along.
0: I don't think this lady's any good. I don't think so. Not a good deliverer of information. Um, I see why she gave me the warning.
1: Yeah, so we we all say Jesus, and she says that's right. John fourteen six says I am the, and she writes this truth. up. Yeah, so the the verse is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. You know, but she just abbreviates it to I am the dot 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 truth.
0: <laughs> Oh, I called it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sure did. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, that, it just
0: the point of the verse is really just like, you won't get into heaven without me. That's the point of the verse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm yeah. the, the gate to get into heaven by, so you better uh, deal with me. And that's always used for like though, why can't you find other ways to salvation or to God? Well, because Jesus said in John right. fourteen six. He's the way. This is the verse that my mom quotes at me the most often. Like pretty much every time we get together, she says, Well, I just want you to know, Ross, <sighs> that that Jesus said in John I said, oh, I know, huh? fourteen six, I oh, am the buddy. way, the truth, and the life. I know where you're going, mom. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah.
0: That also doesn't seem like that's what he meant by truth. Like it seems to me like he's saying the truth. I am the truth as in like the thing you've been waiting for, Mm -hmm. you know, who's the true prophet or whatever. That's me. Not like I espouse critical thinking.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think at the seminar and many like it, the idea is if we can find a loose association that works with the point we're trying to make right now. Great. That's what the scripture meant there. But if you point out something that feels contradictory or negative or vicious or violent or whatever it may be, let's really like sit on that and mm. and and examine what that word could mean. And let's really bend this and play around with it until, mm-hmm. you know, it's very malleable until it kind of does what we want it to. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we can make a loose association that feels right, like that's definitely right. Yeah, right. that was easy, wasn't it? Let's move on. This also reminds me. I remember once in um, an art history class with one of my uh, favorite college professors, Michael Kilgore, great, great art history teacher. He was talking about how light is so important to the Western art tradition. And he said, You know, even Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And I came to him after class and said, "Oh, by the way, I just thought you should know that it says the way the truth and the oh, yeah, life. life." Yeah. And uh, he was so excited by that, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" And, "Oh, you're my scripture expert." And for the the, the rest of the, I don't know, I had him for four classes uh, over multiple years, but I was always his like biblical expert after that. <laughs> oh, that's that. so sweet. And so anytime in an art class, of course, tons of biblical allusions come up. Anytime he'd be like, Russ, did I get that right?" Or, <laughs> Russ, what is that story?" So. Uh,
0: cute yeah
1: it was great anyway so i was a little annoyed at that truncation of the verse so she says okay so if jesus is the truth then jesus is the aim of critical thinking that's what we're trying no, to get no
0: at. so we got to point number two we eventually got mm, there
1: mm-hmm. that's too bad as we seek the truth we are seeking christ
0: Okay, then what's the point? Why even do this little loop de loo?
1: Well, because it gives you an opportunity to quote scripture. Uh, so, <laughs> Colossians 2 3 says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, we've got to get to the third person of the Godhead, God the Spirit, who is the director of critical thinking. What? So she quotes John 16:13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth.
0: Okay. This isn't anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this uh, lady
0: doesn't have an idea. Uh-huh. She's not sharing a concept. You know,
1: you know what? I'm gonna say oh she's just
0: saying some words. I'll say
1: out front just to throw a life preserver your way. This is a rare talk where it gets better okay. over time. Okay. She'll have more useful stuff to say after huh. she lays down this groundwork. Okay.
0: Huh. So this is like her Scientology is actually science of knowledge moment. Totally. Where she's just breaking down too many definitions and stuff. Yeah, totally. Okay.
1: Yep. So if there's no role of the spirit, we will not be able to succeed because the best case scenario is that we'll only arrive at half the knowledge. The Bible tells us, Flesh cannot discern the things of the spirit. Half
0: the knowledge.
1: Yeah, because we're missing out on the spirit side of things. We're only looking at the flesh. Oh my God. And that
0: anyone thinks we could ever have the full knowledge about anything is absurd. And
1: anytime you're using flesh as like a synecdoche for like human wisdom or mm. science or knowledge or <laughs> any human endeavor, you've already kind of lost me. Okay, so here's another kind of Scientology-like boasting. Okay. We as Christians are the ones who can think critically because we have the spirit of truth working within us to understand the God of truth and to seek Jesus Christ, the aim of truth. He is truth. We see that God has revealed truth by his word.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> that is not anything. That, that didn't reminds say me anything. That
1: reminds me of like you know Tom Cruise saying the like we are the ones who can help in a crisis. You know we mm-hmm. we are the ones who understand drug addiction. We are the ones who you know it's just this like crazy bold claim. We Christians are the ones who can truly think critically. Because
0: right. We right. understand
1: the aim and goal and method.
0: It's so circular.
1: It is. Speaking of circular, she goes straight to the most circular verse in the Bible, Second Timothy three six. All Scripture is breathed out by God. But mm. um, often, when people are like arguing why the Bible is true, they'll point to Second Timothy three six and say like, "Well, all Scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking." and training in righteousness. I don't know, I'm forgetting a word there. You know, it's, it's so circular because it's like, oh, how do we know the Bible is true? Well, here's a Bible verse that says right, that right. all Scripture is true. Oh, well, was it aware of all the Scripture that would be put in this book at Yeah, the time? yeah. Uh, how do
0: you know Rebecca isn't lying? Well, I asked her. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And she has a slide full of other little verses, like Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. She says, so critical thinking must be an examination of scripture. Okay. And and there's like a little murmur of agreement from the audience. Like, oh, that's right. I'm this here. is working
0: for people? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah,
1: like they're into it.
0: This is a lullaby. She's not saying anything. It's just a string of words.
1: Okay, more bold statements. We find that as God's word, it is a work of truth. It is inerrant and has no errors and no possibility for error, and it is infallible, and it will accomplish what he has sent it to accomplish, because his words will not return void.
0: Okay, what makes you say that? Well, the scripture. Okay, see? (laughs) That's a problem.
1: (laughs) The snake's eating its own tail. (laughs) So yeah, you get it. There are many restatements of kind of the same uh, idea. The Bible is useful, it's transcendent, it's authoritative as a source of truth, it transcends all other sources, and she said, I could put up so many verses that you wouldn't even be able to see them, the font would be so tiny.
0: Well, that's true.
1: But she just chose those few for us. And what's interesting in all of this is that she has this very matter-of-fact delivery. So like Hmm. from what I'm saying, you would expect a fire and brimstone, or like kind of like a really loud strident yeah, delivery. maybe
0: flashy at least. Yeah,
1: no, it's just very kind of matter of fact. So mm. I think I'm giving it way more mm. kind of exclamation and punctuation than gotcha. she gave it. It was all very just like, and we know that oh, blah, 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 blah. made blah, it blah, even blah, blah. more
0: boring. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's right. I'm trying to spice it up <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, she says, but let's get to what you guys came for. How can I teach critical thinking? So Yes, how? I'm going to give you a bunch of tips and tricks today, but let's sum it up with three words. Excite. Equip. Enable.
0: Excite, equip, enable. Okay. I feel like equip and enable are pretty similar, but okay.
1: It's a good thing the second word wasn't cane. Cane, enable.
0: Oh, nah. shit.
1: Nah. So she said, okay, so none of this is as difficult as it sounds. We do this naturally. We just need to cultivate it. First of all, excitement. So there's excitement in scripture. If we demonstrate it, it will pass on to our students. And she makes the whole point about how kids are mimics. They see what we do. They imitate it. So if we show excitement for the scriptures, they will also.
0: Mm, yeah. Makes sense.
1: Uh, She's got a Bible verse for it, but I'll save you all these Bible verses. And kids don't necessarily love school and work, but they do love to learn. What are they asking all the time?
0: Oh, why is blank.
1: Exactly. Why? And we all say that together. And this was actually, this was the first good advice I've heard in this whole talk. When our kids ask us why, we need to respond in a way that honors that curiosity and doesn't stifle it. Yeah, okay. So like, don't be dismissive of the whys or like it irritated by them. Oh, yeah. We need to model curiosity. Oh, great. Also good advice. Okay, yeah. now, now you're finally talking my language. She said, if you take their questions and investigate them on your own, they don't get to see your problem-solving process.
2: Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I great. like
1: this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you tell them, like, oh, I'll get back to you on that, and then you just magically appear later mm. with an answer, that doesn't help them. Maybe, like, do it with them or let yeah. them watch you kind of look it up or figure it out. I thought that was all great. So okay, yeah. good. And you see the beleaguered parents. She
0: pulls out a Bible, like uh, with illustrations. She's like, "Here's how I look something up." Oh, don't you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. You just ruined the nice mental picture I had. Yours <laughs> is probably more accurate. <laughs> but yeah, good point. I always wanted one of those kids who constantly asked why, 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 and my son did not do that. He's oh, just, really? Yeah, he just wasn't that kind of innately always pressing on every point. Right. Kind of kid. Okay. Fair enough. You'd just be like, okay. I don't mind.
0: (laughs) You're satisfied or? Oh, I'm
1: not satisfied. She asked us, are you aware of your biases and assumptions? I was like, oh, Oh, okay, we're going to ask that question? Yeah, yeah, are we? Yeah. Uh, We should be. Good question. And she said, well, we are a presuppositional ministry. We're not saying you have to do away with all your presuppositions. Oh. In fact, we discourage that.
0: Okay, (laughs) okay.
1: You just need to know where it comes from. I thought... Okay, that's better.
0: I guess. Yes, source monitoring's good. Mm -hmm. But it's all going to come from the Bible, one would presume. Yes,
1: right. She says, so what is my presupposition and why? I am starting with the word of God, not because of blind faith, mind you, but because but because of reasoned faith. My creator has given it to me and he cannot lie or make mistakes and he knows all things. I am confident that is my authority and that is where I will start.
0: How does she think this is worth the talk?
1: (laughs) That doesn't mean that I'm not thinking critically. By being aware of that, I am thinking critically. I have reasoned faith. It's like wow, the the loops that we've tied ourselves into.
0: Oh my god. Yeah,
1: every every time that she like makes it sound like, "Oh, we're starting to be reasonable," or like, you know, kind of working from first principles, nope, we go right back to the Bible. And
0: huh? why even say any of this like everyone in this room obviously agrees with you. You're not pushing any boundary. You're not making us think about anything in any new way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what they're providing here is this is a conference where you can have someone with a doctor in front of their name Mm -hmm. who will very confidently tell you what you wanted to believe to begin with. Yeah. And now you have her to point to be like this very intelligent woman. Yeah. Gave me this great talk and uh, she agrees with me, even if you're all making me feel uncomfortable, everybody else in the real world. Right. I can remember back to this time I had with Dr. Dana Sneed. Uh, And so she shifts back to some good advice, which is to explain your reasoning to your kids not just say, because I said so. Okay. That's good yeah. advice. Granted, sometimes you don't have the time, but wherever possible, we should explain how we came to a decision. Yeah, okay, that good. I like that. She says to encourage their questions. If you don't have time or if you don't know the answer, don't be afraid to say, I don't have the time now, but let's find that answer together later. Uh, but just remember, that's a teachable moment that they get to see you modeling that. Again, yeah. all great. Yes, I like that. And, uh, you know, kids are creative encourage creativity. It's part of critical thinking. And you know, your kids are going to give you thoughtful answers. They may not be the ones that you expect them to be, but be patient with them. Think about them. They may surprise you. All of that's good. Here's where she got to like, well, if I didn't already think she would be an annoying parent, this made me think so. She said, okay, let's say that your kid just spent a day without doing their work. Okay. Don't just reflexively ground them or berate them. Ask,
0: Tell them they're going to hell.
1: What did you choose to do today that caused you not to do your schoolwork? Mm. What a loaded question.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the concept behind it as far as self-monitoring. Uh-huh. But so coming from someone else. Yeah, I see what But this is really irritating.
1: doesn't sound like a useful or productive conversation. Yeah, yeah. Let's examine the consequences together. Are you going to make the same choice tomorrow or choose a better one? It's <laughs> like, wow, okay, that doesn't really sound like an open dialogue. Sure, sure. But, you know, she's trying. So then she gets on to equipping them. So we've talked about excitement. Well, of course, they have to learn the scriptures. Equipment. <laughs> she... quote's part of the Shema, the Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The idea is that the scripture should always be, you know, in your family, always being discussed. Okay. Uh, but here, here's where she finally like gets to some learning content.
2: Okay. It, so
1: she brings up a slide with a pyramid, sort of like a hierarchy. And I'm pretty sure she said groom's taxonomy, but I know she meant bloom's taxonomy. It's this pyramid that kind of shows the way that we parse and understand increasingly complex concepts and then deal with them, starting with on the, the very bottom level of the... pyramid you've got remembering so just like learning rote facts essentially like getting things in your head intake essentially and then working your way up to understanding okay applying analyzing evaluating and then creating Hmm. and that's kind of like your actualization if you're Mm -hmm. looking at like uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs which you know this is great this is mainstream learning theory you know there's nothing from the Bible about this, right? But she's willing to sign on to it. She likes it, so she says. Critical thinking are the those top four. Kind of once you get past just uh, memorization and understanding, once you start moving on to like applying, analyzing, evaluating, creating. Now we're talking about critical thinking. Okay, I like that. So she adds some bullet points to that, and she says, "Okay, so first of all, you want to define terms. That's really important. That's how we started this whole session today." And,
0: yeah, we did a great job.
1: <laughs> and uh, she says, I'm a real fan of precision language.
0: Oh my God. No, you're not. No, you are not, ma'am.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's what my shoulder carry was saying. As
0: well. yeah, oh my God. <laughs> precision language. So the lady was like, The Bible is true because the Bible's true, because the truth is the Bible, because the Jesus is the truth.
1: This is where she said, So if a child asks you a question, ask them, What do you mean by that? And again, I thought, oh, you'd be an annoying parent. No,
0: oh, I mean, it could be a good advice. But when they ask me anything, like give me an example.
1: Yeah, she didn't in that case. But I, I picture her hearing something from a kid where you can kind of guess what they meant. But you want to turn this into a little object lesson. And so you're, I see. you're making them kind of restate things.
0: Articulate it for, in a different way. For
1: your your own benefit or to, as a form of punishment. I don't know. I'd, uh-huh. I got a bad vibe from it. I didn't like okay. it. <laughs> I didn't want her as a mom. Okay, next bullet point, make connections. She went off on this very long example of I guess she'd recently heard about uh, circuit versus series wiring for Christmas lights or for lights in general. Okay. Okay. So she kept trying to use that as an example, like, then apply that to elsewhere. Like what would I dunno, she she fumbled. Uh, Okay. But the idea is sound to make connections between things. You learn something, apply it in different areas. And then that's the third bullet point she presents. Apply to real life situations. Uh, great. Yep. Good. So what we've just learned in our curriculum, you know, find ways that that applies in, in our real life. Uh, maybe even, and this actually, I really liked this was like, Oh, good idea. She said, you know, if you've got a question from your child about something in the real world, maybe just take a day and like, let's talk about that now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I always remember one of my favorite teachers at the time. This was at a Christian school, eighth grade. I had uh, Dr. Donald Shope, and he was a real conspiracy theorist, and he kind of got me into conspiracy theories for a while. But I remember once uh, one of us asked a question about subliminal messages and we ended up spending like 4 days just talking about subliminal messages. Hmm. I remember just thinking how wonderful that was, like, oh, we're just kind of jumping away from the curriculum for a while to satiate our curiosity oh, on this yeah. topic.
0: Yeah, and he did a good job of finding real sources and everything.
1: Yeah, like he'd bring in videos each day and we'd watch cool. like, you know, the the ice cubes and the uh-huh. Lion King clip and stuff like that and yeah, I remember just being really energized by that. And yes, we understand that there is a much deeper, bigger conversation about subliminal messages and how they do and don't work. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. We won't get distracted by that right now. Okay. But she made the point that that's one of those advantages of the flexibility of homeschooling. I thought, yeah, that's a decent point. Sorry, what is? Just the ability to kind of stop what you're doing and follow someone's curiosity. Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. Okay,
1: solid point about what you can do in homeschooling versus in a classroom.
0: Yeah, college is so much easier than high school because you actually get to pick your classes and like mm. follow your bliss a little.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another bullet point was open ended questions. Uh, good. Yeah. Another was requiring reasoned responses. So, this is where she recommended a book called Introduction to Logic by Jason Lyle. And mm. she, she'd recommend him later. I think he works for Answers in Genesis. If not, <laughs> he's like, he, he's clearly like in their ideological boat. Yeah, Lyle. L-I-S-L-E.
0: Oh, I see him, yeah.
1: So he not only gives you all of this great talk about logic, but he also has curriculum with logic, analogies, debate. She highly recommends debate. Like, you know, once your kids get older, definitely have them join a debate club. That's a great opportunity to learn to make arguments and uh, defend them. Uh, Problem-solving, worldview, uh, all of that is included in introduction to logic and she says that like it even comes with little logic grids where you kind of hear a story and you start crossing out whether oh i love uh, those mrs white lives at a blue house or a brown house yeah or, yeah yeah those yeah. are so fun yeah yeah those are kind of like playing hunt to killer
0: yeah i think there is one of those
1: she recommends brain games you know like which i'm all for yeah sudoku sure. and stuff like that i was on a huge sudoku bender the other day
0: never been a fan oh okay yeah I'm a fan. Hmm.
1: She also recommended uh, Mr. P, which is, I think, short for Patterson, uh, another AIG guy. He has a series called Unlocking Science. Okay. And he teaches a framework for critical thinking called ASK. So if you hear something, you ask. The A is for- Ask, ask, ask. Authority. What is this person's authority to make such a claim? Okay. Good.
0: Maybe.
1: S is for starting points. From what starting point is this person looking at the world? Okay, the
0: givens, yeah.
1: And K is for knowledge. How do they know what they claim to know? Okay. These are good in principle.
0: Maybe, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you know, we should definitely learn to evaluate sources when we hear things that sound kind of extraordinary. uh, Yeah, you start asking those questions. She'll come back to that, but she then but men- she's
0: just going to be like authority equals God. He always has the best authority. Whoever's referencing God, they win. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. But we'll play that out with uh, an upcoming example. But she also recommends a woman named Patricia Angler, who has the seven checks of critical thinking. Number one, check the scripture. Two, check the challenge. I'd like mm-hmm. to hear that one unpacked. Mm-hmm. Three, check the source. Four, check the definitions. Five, check for propaganda. Okay. Interesting. And all of this, I'm thinking like, yes, do that. (laughs) Number six, check the interpretations. And seven, check the logic. Uh, So she has this, Patricia has this, Series called CT Scan, Critical Thinking Scan. Fun. And they can be found on Answers TV. Okay. Which you and I have access to. So we should watch some of. I, I started watching one and it was, it could have been the same talk. <laughs> like it was exactly the same sort of stuff. So of course, Dr. Dana Sneed signs on to it. Uh, Patricia Angler has also written a book, Prepare to Thrive, a survival guide for Christian students. Okay. And a lot of her videos seem to be that, like, just preparing you for when you get to school. Here's when someone says something that disagrees with what you've been taught. Here's how you react to that. And here's how you keep your cool and feel good about what you believe.
0: Right. I wonder how often that works, that a like Christian student leans on a book like that mm. and successfully makes their way through college, never having to challenge their beliefs.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I would love to have numbers on that. Like something tells me it can last for so long. You know, I did that for a good while. Yeah. Um uh, but then once I really engaged with some ideas outside of my ken and and heard them like actually finally presented by people who knew them well, I went oh wow this is why they were trying yeah. to hide me from this because there's right. there's so this much depth here sense. wow oh my goodness yeah it actually explains things oh it's interested in answers it's not interested in defense yeah yeah <laughs> it's actually interested in knowing how things work oh, wow this is so much more interesting and yeah. powerful and,
0: and you can feel that when it's in the room
1: yeah yeah you can and then you start to realize like oh wow all of this like god did it kind of stuff it's just. It's a way to stop asking questions. Right. Oh, when we actually start asking them, science is so much more interesting. I'm picking on science in particular. Oh, this is a good moment to mention the names of the books that she wrote. Okay. Or actually, okay, it's, it's just one book, but there's an article she wrote on Pi Day 2021. She wrote an article titled, Without God, Math Doesn't Make Sense.
0: Okay. Sure. And
1: I read it. It was just as disappointing as you would imagine. Um, She also wrote the book One Race, One Blood, A Biblical Answer to Racism.
0: Oh, no. I
1: thought that was a Ken Ham book, but it turns out it was written by Dr. Dana Sneed.
0: Oh, no. Uh, Did you read it?
1: No. Okay. Not one of the ones I bought either, but now I'm curious.
0: Dana Sneed Blood.
1: Yeah, Dana's need Blood. All of them do.
0: (laughs) One Race, One Blood. Well, at least- a 12-week curriculum?
1: Keep you busy for a while. Wow. Wait, wait just the, the racism thing? Yeah. Oh, that's a bad use of three months.
0: Well, who knows? Well, this says, as you journey through the biblical perspective of the unity and diversity of mankind, you will be equipped to engage your culture in a biblically consistent way.
1: Yeah, three months is a bit much uh-huh. for that.
0: Yeah, I wonder what Wonder what the point of view of this thing is.
1: All right, so anyway, she says, you know, you may need guides like like this one by Patricia Angler. Uh, to prepare your students for going to a secular university, or even—I hate to say it—a Christian school.
0: Mm, I hate to say it. Sometimes yeah. you have to think at Christian school. I hate to say it.
1: <laughs> and of course, exciting, equipping, enabling—they're not sequential. You don't do one then do the other. You know? Okay. It should yeah. be all the time. And then finally, she pulls up the verse that I've been waiting for the whole time, which is Proverbs twenty-two six. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. As I was looking at that verse again, I thought, man, what pressure that puts on parents, too. Like, mm. like, let's say you learn the truth of science and evolution or whatever it may be, and you you move away from the the beliefs that your parents taught you, you're like simultaneously pointing a big finger at them being like, well, you didn't raise me right, I guess, because Mm -hmm. I departed from your teachings. Yeah. I always feel a little bad that there's like this kind of like Christian finger point at my parents, you know, that sort of implied like, well, you failed because Ross doesn't believe anymore.
0: Right, right. Um, Yeah, definitely.
1: I always feel that kind of uh, vicarious discomfort for them. And it's just, it's not a fair system. It's not a fair statement.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes... Your ancestors are voyagers and your parents don't tell you about it. And then when you're like a preteen, you realize it, that you have a heart for the sea. Mm -hmm. And you don't follow the ways they raised you because you're standing at the edge of the water.
1: Because you know the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's how it happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, She has some decent example about, you know, like letting kids fail from time to time, letting them live with the consequences, which can sometimes be difficult to do because sometimes those consequences affect you as well. You know, that was all interesting. She also recommends some other broad concepts like let them get involved in student-led activities, let them collaborate and experience other children who learn in different ways. And the process of making compromises or considering someone else's view—all of that's great. Okay, so now that she's given us all these tools, taught us how to equip, excite, and all of that, <laughs> so now she's going to give us three examples to look at. Okay, and and use these as uh, you know little conversation starters for critical thinking. So let me show you this video clip from Superbook. An animated Bible show uh, hosted on CBN, the Christian Bible Network. Okay. Same place you find the 700 Club. I'd never heard of this before.
2: So, do we have anyone to battle Goliath today? I'm taking numbers. I will fight him. Come on, people! I ask for a warrior, and you send me this? Do you fear the least of Israel? All right right then. Goliath! Breakfast is served. This day, Goliath, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Soon the bodies of your army will be food for the birds of the air. For that child, I'll slice you open! Then grind your bones until they are dust! Stand still so I can kill you! No! The battle is the Lord's! You're going to die. (laughs) Hell yeah. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of Hosts! Your God (laughs) is (laughs) weak!
1: head we oh,
2: that?
0: That. That okay yeah. oh, oh, no! gruesome <laughs> okay.
1: right. yeah yeah they don't show david cutting off goliath's head but they you know that's what happens and so what carrie just saw you can find it on youtube super book david and goliath and this was the little segment that danis need played and it is this uh cartoon looks like kind of television quality animation yeah Cari- look,
0: looked like mystery of the kingdom of god totally
1: yeah yeah, yeah actually a lot like that so it's this you know cg animation of the david and goliath story but just so cartoonish where you've got David doing like backflips and it's like <laughs> slow motion video of Goliath in it throw a spear but like the spear like slowly flying through the air and just barely missing David and cutting the sack of stones off of his belt yeah it was just uh, very over the top so that's
0: she- the old bible story about the normal sized man killing the giant
1: right and, and you already said something that's more accurate than that clip because David at that time wasn't like a boy but he's often depicted mm. as being like a boy, and he was in this clip. Anyway, so she plays this, and we all watch it, and she says, okay, I want to get your reactions to this. And by the way, she says, Superbook is not a bad show. I'm not saying, like, it's it's terrible. It's just oh. um, sometimes you get things wrong. Most of the episodes are are actually pretty accurate, but, but what did they get wrong here? And okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you why you said it. So one kid points out that, well, he did hit Goliath in the forehead, and she said, yep, okay, they got that right, good. So another kid said, well, I don't think Goliath fell forwards. May- I thought he fell backwards.
0: Oh, my God.
1: No, this is going to be the level of detail that these kids have already been taught about this oh, story. Oh, man. And Dana's- This
0: is what we're turning our critical thinking on. Uh-huh.
1: I see. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, this goes- I thought it was going to be a more interesting conversation about depictions of you know stories yes. where you're given scant information, but no, this is where oh we go. God, and she,
0: other Christian media we can pull apart. She
1: totally, she totally engages on that uh, level too. She says, "No, actually, the account does tell us that he fell forward, so that is correct."
0: Oh my God, she's the Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> of oh, Christian bit. media. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there was another either an older kid or or a young man but uh he pointed out that well, David wasn't that young. His pouch of rocks wasn't cut off with a spear. And Dana says, Yes, those both of those points are correct. That's very good. Nice. And one kid says, Well, he didn't do backflips. And she's like, Yes. That's right. <laughs> good yeah. Backflips were not described in the Bible. So he probably <laughs> did not do them. Another kid, you got some very small kids, probably like four or five, saying, like, well, he did kill the giant. And yes, that's correct. Good. Yes, very good. He did kill the giant. <laughs> one kid pointed out, Well, there was no robot there. Because every now and then the camera would cut back to, like, these two young contemporary kids and a robot, which I can only assume are, like, (laughs) time travelers who, like, in the VR experience can go back in time and witness these things. And so, yeah, good point. Yes, there wasn't a robot. And then so another kid said... All
0: ages are in this room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Makes it hard to teach critical thinking.
1: (laughs) Another kid said... Well, he didn't have to like run through Goliath's legs to get his rocks. Yep, that's right. So, yeah, we're picking like on really detailed things. So Dana said, "Okay, so it's not reasonable conjecture that it happened the way that it's depicted here. The dialogue is mostly right." I'm like, "Oh, really? Is this like you're <laughs> I saying?" I was there. Is this the level of of analysis? She says, "You know, the armor. He was supposed to be wearing bronze armor, and I don't know if the armor looked quite right." Like, okay, really? you
0: do some animation. Like- Lady.
1: <laughs> she said, We'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. And I I threw I raised my hand and I said, Goliath throwing the spear almost feels like it was sort of conflating the story of Saul throwing a spear at David. And she's like, Oh, that's actually a good point. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen in the original story. Also, she pointed out that David did not reject the armor because he was too small. That wasn't the reason.
0: Oh, good. No one cares, but good.
1: (laughs) That lesson was not as interesting as it could have been. But she said, it doesn't mean you can't show this to your kid. Uh, That's not my decision to make. But if you do, use it as this exercise in critical thinking where we actually go to the scripture and we read along and Uh we compare the two. Okay. Uh, it's, It's critical thinking adjacent.
0: Yeah, I guess something. Yeah, at least it sure.
1: Teaches you to be a good pedant.
0: Yeah, I mean, if this is lesson one, maybe I guess if it like starts them on a path thinking in this way at all, I guess maybe. Mm -hmm. It's just so, it's so sad. It's so pitifully.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now she gets to example number two. She said, kids love to listen to music, but even Christian music can have problems. Okay. So I'm going to play you the first four lines from this song and tell me if you can find the error here, Carrie.
0: Oh my God. These people with their veggie tales and their songs and...
1: Nothing better to do than to uh, rip apart other Christian media. Okay. So this is from Natalie Grant and it's called In Better Hands.
0: Okay. It's hard to stand on shifting sand, it's hard to shine in the shadows of the night. You can't be free if you don't reach for help. Okay, you can love if you don't love yourself, first of all. Okay. Because God will give you the power. Uh, well, in you, fact, you probably shouldn't love yourself. You should think you're shit.
1: Here we go. <laughs> okay. You, you've done it. You okay, great. You honed in on the problematic line in the mm. song, which was, you can't, you can't love if you don't love yourself. She said, that last line is secular philosophy.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's right.
1: It sounds loosely like Matthew 22:37 to 40, where it's telling you to love your neighbor as yourself mm. But the point is not that you need to love yourself more. The point is that you probably already love yourself too much and you need to love others more. Sure. Okay. I guess it
0: really depends on where you're starting as a person.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So then she goes to example number three, which is a news article that she puts up. And it's titled, How Did Birds Survive the Dinosaur Killing Asteroids?
2: Okay. And
1: it's a Livescience.com article. And okay. already the audience is kind of like, Oh, I don't know, <laughs> should we even be looking at this? And so she says, Okay, well, use a framework for critical thinking like the one we talked about earlier. Ask. So with your students, you can go through the article and underline squishy words like suggests
2: probably
1: likely cool underline those so she has a next slide where she's like underline those wiggle words and says you know that's you know what the scientists do when they probably don't even know what they're talking about great (laughs) it's like oh great you're trying to use responsible language about levels of certainty
0: right in your statements and
1: you're you're calling that out
0: I mean I guess I've seen this be used badly in headline reporting sure sure but yeah it's not a it's not a red flag when someone says may.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you know, evaluating that, taking that into consideration, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says, okay, so let's use that framework. So let's look for appeals to authority. What is this guy? And she reads like his title Chris Torres, a National Science Foundation postdoctoral research fellow in the Heritage Collection of Osteopathic Medicine at Ohio University. And she said, Look at all that. You can hardly even say that.
0: Oh, oh, okay.
1: So, like, her point is just like, what a long fangled title he has.
0: Okay, I was, <laughs> I was mostly following it.
1: Yeah. So she felt confident, just kind of disregarding him. Oh,
0: that's it. That's the analysis. Okay. Yeah, okay. Cool, much. cool. 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 Stated his university, and that was too long. Okay.
1: <laughs> and of course, most importantly, what's his starting point? I think we know that he's already assuming millions of years. And then she points out other specific phrasings, like 66 million years ago. There is no 66 million years ago. Birds were created which day? The audience says five. Wow,
0: the audience knew. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: This audience knows, and I joined in. And Animals? Six Six Wait
0: Birds are animals?
1: Yeah with Like the land animals Okay On the sixth day So of course birds did not evolve from dinosaurs Uh,
0: Of course Of course And
1: then like the article mentions that 80% of species went extinct in this event And she says we don't know how many species there were Let alone even are right now
0: Why even engage with this article if this is all you're doing? So
1: how could we say that 80% went extinct? Uh, these are totally unbiblical assumptions. So
0: yes, yes, yes. So
1: she's teaching yes kids to go through a live science article and just be belligerent, essentially. <laughs> right. Uh, and
0: not like actually explain why your account is a the better one.
1: Yeah, uh, so she recommends watching Answers News. I don't know, maybe that uh, Brian Osborne is one of the co-hosts. He's the Bibles in Motion guy. So I don't know, maybe they have a higher level of analysis. I wouldn't bet any money on it. So then she also mentions that they have the Answers books one, two, three, and four. There's uh, versions for both adults and kids. I think I bought Answers book. No, I have answers book one there we okay, go
0: okay over over 25 questions wow on,
1: <laughs> that's a big i'm gonna book. say
0: that's not this one's not okay <laughs> they should
1: have tweeted you about that
0: yeah if you're saying over 25 just go ahead and tell me how many
1: <laughs> yeah, especially since it's a book it's not like more gonna appear
0: oh my god do you want to guess how many it is
1: 26
0: 27
1: oh come on <laughs>
0: Just say 27. Oh,
1: wow. That's a pretty big book for only answering 27 questions. Yeah. Maybe they're big ones. Okay, so she recommends those. She recommends anything that Dr. Jason Lyle has written, but especially the books Discerning the Truth and The Ultimate Proof of Creation. She also recommends his, I think he has a video series called Nuclear Strength Apologetics. Okay. And also the Quick Answers books. For Teens by Brian Osborne. And that was it. She left us with these uh, wonderful thoughts about critical thinking and said, I hope you will leave excited, equipped, and enabled to make your kids excited, equipped, and enabled.
0: There's no way anyone left with one single new idea, (laughs) right? Um, I mean, it's just like, reference the Bible. Yeah. That's the entire piece of advice there.
1: Yeah. I I feel like there were a couple nuggets of like useful info that might have made a parent think, oh, yeah, I could do that. But yeah, you're Mm -hmm. right. For the most part, it was just uh, critical thinking is the Godhead.
0: Yeah. It really feels like the purpose of that was just to make you go like, See, when people say I'm not into critical thinking, they're wrong because I just went to a whole critical thinking talk.
1: Yeah, it was just, it was so much more even on the nose than I was expecting. I I expected them to be a little more veiled Mm -hmm. about the uh, level of indoctrination going on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're right. They really are just like, here's how to build your child.
1: Yeah. And using a lot of the language of things like, "You're, you're using the right term. But, uh-huh. oh, you're defining it in a very insular way that preserves your foregone conclusion.
0: Right, to try to make the kid conversant in the new world. Oh,
1: that's a good question. You just raised, oh, and you shut it down. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, man. Well, it sounds um, annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, this might be one where uh, a lot of uh, listeners will say like, oh, I would have been so mad if I were there. And I don't know, I was just blithely following along, but uh, internally- Uh, shaking my head or or letting my uh, shoulder carry do that
0: yeah it's funny how different places will piss one of us off and not the other like which moment it hits you or whatever (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah and sometimes it is right just like sort of a ticking time bomb yeah
0: yeah there was one thing I went to for the book I think I texted you from it I went there like a month ago and I was like well that's it I can't be around hippies again. <laughs> That's right. This has ruined my love of yoga Aww. and yeah, it like destroyed me for like 2 days and then I was then I was back baby. Oh good, and, good. But um but yeah, just like it hits you at that right moment where your defenses are down and poof, <laughs> tough. But That's- usually we're Usually we can stomach all of it.
1: It's funny. I still consider myself like part hippie just because I was raised in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Even though I was also raised within this right wing enclave within Santa Cruz. But that's good. I'm glad you've come back around on hippies.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm vegan. I gotta be. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there we go. That was it for that session. And then I uh, carried on my merry way to other sessions and more ARC stuff. So uh, next time we come back to the ARC, we'll maybe talk some more ARC.
0: All right. And
1: then then we can come back to some more of these uh, homeschooling classes.
0: All right, cool. Well, that's it for our show.
1: Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
0: This episode was edited by Ross Blatcher.
1: Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer.
0: You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join.
1: Yes, please, please do become part of our Maximum Fun family. And also tell a friend, leave a positive review wherever you can leave reviews TripAdvisor, maybe Apple Podcasts, you do you.
0: Mm hmm, mm hmm. Write a message, put the message in a bottle, Mm -hmm. put the bottle in your pool and let your spouse, roommate, whoever also uses the pool, discover the bottle with Mm -hmm. the note inside and discover our podcast because on the note you've written, hi, I'm sorry we don't talk as much as we should. I love you so much. And when you get this bottle, I want you to know that the most important thing for you to know- is that you need to listen to Ona, Ross, and Carrie a podcast.
1: Yeah, that'll fit on a scroll. Yeah, scrolls for as long as you want. Yeah, you can write a lot and put it in a bottle. Yeah. So that's a good message. Cool. And remember... We have to have the Spirit working in our lives. If we are going to truly think critically, it has to be founded in Scripture. It has to be founded in the very nature of God. So we, as Christians, are the ones that can think critically. Because we are the ones that have the spirit of truth working in us to help us to understand the God of truth and to seek Jesus Christ, the source, the aim of truth, right? He is truth. And so we see that God has revealed truth
2: by his word. We see all scripture is breathed out by God, 2 Timothy.
1: We see the sum of your word is truth in Psalm 119. And sanctify them in truth, Jesus said, your word is Talking about God's Word is truth. And so we see that God has revealed truth to us in His Word. So critical thinking must be an examination of Scripture.
2: MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.